Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Happy Valentine's Day. It's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Dan McLaughlin is here. The Furious. Matthew Rocky is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you guys here on the Happy Furious. Valentine's Oh, yeah. He hates Kevin Deboff. Hates him. Hates him with oh, a passion. What, what, We're going to start with what? this already? No, yeah, well, he was... Uh, I, I got it before you guys even got in. I, I suffered the wrath. <laughs> wow. On Valentine's Day. Well, but yeah. whatever did Kevin Dimoff do, guys? <laughs> whatever did he do? Matthew, you wanted to start? You got 30 seconds here. Go. Uh, he decided to go on Twitter and gaslight all of St. Louis for some completely unknown reason eight years after the fact by making up a bunch of lies and half-truths about how they, quote-unquote, supported Steve Spagnuolo and it wasn't their fault that he was terrible. And then he didn't explain how they were terrible the rest of the seven years they ran the team here. You know what he's going to do? He did this before. Uh, he's going to blame Martin Kilcoin and I, <laughs> who went on Martin's postgame show after a Cardinal game in which Spags had uh, kicked to Patrick Peterson of the Cardinals for the second time in the season. Peterson had beaten the, the Rams in a game down in Arizona with a punt return for a touchdown. So what does Spags have his punter do? Kick it right to Patrick Peterson, who returns another one for a touchdown. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, if I'm the Rams, I'm on the phone with Jeff Fisher right now, not realizing that they would hire Jeff Fisher because he'd already moved a franchise. (laughs) But for the rest of their time here, uh, Demoff would go to Kilcoin and I and say, well, you were the guys that wanted him. We, We hired Jeff Fisher because you guys wanted him. Uh, so that was and that's a what thing. The, this series of tweets was pass off blame. It's not my yeah. fault that we sucked. I'm great at my job. Not yeah. actually terrible. Yeah, not great. So anyway, uh, that's the that's the story of the day. We've got uh, let's see, Bernie Federko. Oh no, Rivs. Bernie or Rivs? Wednesday's Rivs. Rivs. Oh, it's Thursday's Wednesday's Rivs. Yeah. Oh, it's Hump Day, uh, and and it's Valentine's Day. So we're gonna. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff for you. The Maple Leafs beat the Blues last night by a score of 4-1. to one. Alexei Toropchenko scoring the only Blues goal, and oh, it was a beauty, eh? Uh, but Bobby McMahon came into the game with uh, two seasons and two career goals. He left with five career goals. Who's pretty, that? Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, who's that? Is the, who, that's the good question. Who, who is that? I have no idea. Leafs were without three of their uh, very good players, too. Yeah, Blues got off to a poor start. I thought Bennington played well, kept him in the game, um, but it just wasn't meant to be. Not much energy after back-to-back games over the weekend. The Blues did skate on Monday, had a uh, optional pregame skate yesterday, but uh, you know what? You're going to have clunkers, and that was one of the clunkers. The Blues still are 14-8-1 under Drew Bannister, 7-2 and in their last nine, and that snaps their five-game winning streak on the road, but for the most part, they played pretty well to put them in uh, playoff position. Now they've got a four-game homestand, and this is a very important homestand coming up. Jordan Bennington was definitely, Dan, to your point, I believe, the best player on the ice. And you look at the final score, and you can't do that 
that when you're talking about Jordan Bennington and what he was able to do. He stopped breakaways, a lot of high-quality chances, but on the other side of the Blues, they didn't really generate any of that. They lacked net front presence, too much looking for the perfect play. It was a very off game for him, and Drew Bannister in his post-game comments last night kept talking about the lack of energy. After those past two games where they really started out the game with a lot of energy and set the tone early on. How about shoot the puck? Yeah. Shoot the puck. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> shoot they the wind puck. up at 15? 15 shots. Yeah. Not great. That ain't going to cut it. No, and not much possession time either. The, mm-hmm. the the overall possession time was abysmal for the Blues. But you like you said, Dan, every team, even the best teams, have clunkers like this. And we expect them to be great every night, especially the way things have been going. But they have played a lot lately. Uh, well, at least three out of four, right? Uh, with, with the two weekend games. And this does happen. And especially for whatever with this group, and, and the group has changed, but for whatever reason, the, the St. Louis Blues seem to get on a little bit of a roll and then go into games thinking they're better than they really are, that they can just throw the pucks out on the ice and, and win a game. Well, and maybe with what you were saying, Dan, too, that they're missing three very key players that the Blues didn't fully know what to expect. But if you're looking at big picture overall, this has been a great road trip for the Blues. Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Morgan Riley were not Uh, suited up for the Leafs so I thought okay here's a chance for the Blues maybe Mm -hmm. to go in in Toronto and sneak one out even though you're in the final day of a road trip and that it's sometimes you come out and you play well in that final day and sometimes you just lay an egg And, and that's what happened in this game puck possession as you guys talked about lack of energy in the first period poor start and then uh the bright spot was Jordan Bennington. But outside of that, not a lot of good things going for the Blues. Well, the other bright spot, I think you could point to the Blues' fourth line again. Alexei Torovchenko was just all over the game last night. I continue to be impressed by him with what he's been able to do. I thought Sonny and Nathan Walker, they also produce a lot of spurts of energy. The fourth line, to me, was also the other impressive part of the game. Have you caught your breath, Randy, uh, after the good morning? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to give you my best Anders Kantor. What made you uh, just rip it out the good morning? You must be a Valentine's guy. Oh, happy Valentine's. By the way, the Blues play the Oilers on Thursday night here in town at Enterprise Center. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff. That would be tomorrow, by the way, kids. Uh, The Oilers have played very well since their coaching change. And then, uh, Brooke, mixed emotions on Saturday afternoon? No. Nicheville Predators? Mm -mm. Nope. Always going to root for the Blues. There, that, there you go. I promise. I was I here for the Blues Stanley Cup run. I promise you guys. I care a lot about the Blues, and it's been very special to be able to cover them. And when I came here, to be able to cover them going from the worst in the league to the best, that is something. That is the best sports memory I think I've ever been wow. a, water, a part of. Pretty, pretty you cool. mentioned a coaching change for Edmonton. They, you know, they took off. They had the long winning streak. I wonder what the Blues front office is thinking right now with the uh, – not only the immediate future, but long-term future of the head coach. And Drew Bannister's done a really good job mm-hmm. since taking over for Chief. I, I just kind of wonder where they're at with him right now. I wonder that, too. And I, I wonder if they're waiting to see who becomes available. But he's doing a re- really good job with the young players. And maybe the, that's the model. Berube had coached at Chicago when that was the Blues minor league team. He had coached a bunch of their kids when he got hires, hired as the head coach. And they got better and some of the veterans got better. Now they hire a guy that had coached, at least on an interim basis, a bunch of their young players at Springfield. And they get better and better. And some of their veteran players are playing better. Maybe that's the model. I don't know. Maybe Bannister is the guy. 
And that's the change that you needed. I think he just has a different approach that they seem to resonate with, what the younger players mm-hmm. seem to resonate with. Yep. I think it's the question, though, in their front office, at least one of them, because you have the trade deadline coming. That would be first and foremost. But where do they sit with Drew Bannister? I think it's an interesting question now that you're, you know, roughly 20, 25 games into his tenure. And you know Army. I know Army. I'm, think, I'm sure that that's something that he literally evaluates every single day. Absolutely. After every game day. He, he's looking at the pluses and minuses of what, of what happened last night, and then he'll add it all up at the end of the season. If they make the playoffs, do they hire him? Even if they get knocked out in the first round, do they hire him? I think it really depends on who else is out there. What happens if you really like Drew Bannister, but John Cooper becomes available and he loved St. Louis when he coached here? You, you want know. a retread, though? I'll take Keep that it. retread. I, I understand that. I'll take Joe Quinville yep. if he mm-hmm. ever gets released by the league. Um, I understand that, but this guy, you look at the track record of what Army's done. Okay, hard-nosed coach, then players coach. Hard-nosed coach, players coach. This guy seems to be, I think, a little bit of both where he cleaned it up and the players, to your point, Randy, because he had him in the minor leagues, seemed to respond to him. But here's the deal. The, sh- the shelf life of these guys is minimal. Yeah, three, mm-hmm. five, three to four years. Yeah, yeah. if that. Yep. Uh, College football, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers, is expected to vote February 20th on a model that would include the five highest-ranked conference champions, including a group of five champion, and the next seven highest-ranked teams in the 12-team playoff. So you'd have the champions of the the best group of five team, the highest-ranked group of five team, and then... SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, you'd have those for those four champions, and then the next seven highest-ranked teams. I like that model. I, I see no problem with that. You take care of the group of five so that somebody like if Boise State, are they in the Big 12 now? I have no idea. But anyway, if, if a group of five wins Central Florida, uh, is undefeated and wins their conference, and they're the highest-ranked Group of five team, they'll they'll do it, and then you've got the Ohio State. You've got in the Big Twelve. Uh, maybe you have Arizona State or something like that. Uh, maybe they win, and then uh, you take uh, who, who am I leaving out here? The ACC, maybe Clemson, and then obviously Mizzou winning the SEC. You take the five highest ranked conference champions, and then move on from there. So, what does this mean, bigger picture overall? You guys believe? Well, it's going to enhance the dominance of the SEC in the, in the <laughs> Big Ten. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are just more opportunities to win this thing. I was uh, listening going, okay, there'll be a ton of teams from those two conferences. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's how it plays out anyway. Right. I mean, what's the difference now? I mean, so what, what are you looking at with this particular model that wouldn't allow some of these big teams to get in? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I get it, but I don't. The, the thing is, like this year, you had Georgia out because Alabama was in. Now you have two, the two best SEC teams, or the three or four best SEC teams, and the one that doesn't have injuries and that is playing the best has the opportunity to participate in the tournament. So this is the uh, Florida State effect for what happened. Yes. Mm. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's see, there was, oh, uh, Tiger starts playing tomorrow at the Genesis Invitational. So Tiger is back with the new duds. And, uh, the it'll Sunday be Red. Sunday Red, yeah. So uh, he is the needle for golf. We all know that. And I'm excited, actually, about watching him play. I'm excited to watch him play. I was showing you guys a video yesterday of him walking over to get ready for the Genesis Invitational. And he looks almost like he did when he was training. Remember to be a Navy SEAL back, mm-hmm. back in the day? He looks in great shape right now. Um, he's going to play, I think, once a month. He's going to pick out one mm-hmm. tournament a month. That's what he thinks that his body will allow 
He's trying to chase the all-time record in wins. I don't know if he gets there, though. It's going to be tough, but he's... Why would you bet against him at this point? Yeah, you don't Never bet, bet against, against him. him. No. It's going to be fun. It'll yeah. be... I'll bet you they will outrate... I, I bet Liv doesn't even play this weekend, do they? But I don't uh, know. That's the other thing. I don't know with their <laughs> yeah. schedule. They only play 14 times, right? Something 14, like that, yeah. So do you ever see any promotionals for Liv yeah. or anything like that? Social media? Not really. No. No. Not Maybe much. Start promoting. Maybe they just don't have the budget for it, Brooke. I think they have the budget. That's the thing. <laughs> I see the individual players on their like social yeah. media. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they do, but for the general public like commercials or saying will be at event x you don't really see that no you don't yeah it is the opening drive on 101 espn it's help day and it's valentine's day if ever there was a day for you to ask uncle randy this is the day text in 314-399-9646-314-399 yo ho uh it's a day of romance. It's a day of love. It's a day where you might need a little bit of help because you've messed up and you're down to the wire in terms of figuring out what to do romantically. Well, Dan is here. Brooke is here. Randy and Matthew are here. And we're here to help you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. Happy Valentine. Time for <laughs> Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. If you haven't texted in yet and you have a question, this is serious business today, kids. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. So if you have a Valentine's Day question, now's the opportunity to get it asked and answered at 718. And we can take care of you so that by the end of the workday, you're golden. All right? So uh, here we go. Matthew, what do you got on the old text line? Randy, I'm married. Is it okay to go to dinner with parents on V-Day? Parents Uh, offered, and I'm torn. Yeah, don't be torn. Uh, No, say, Mom and Dad, thank you for the offer, but uh, you can celebrate your Valentine's Day together, and we will celebrate our Valentine's Day together. No, not uh, not the play. Sorry. No? No. Are you saying that it could kind of kill the romance of Valentine's Day? I would that's Day? a possibility, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Whining and dining with your parents. Yeah. So. I, I do get it. I appreciate sometimes when you go with your parents, you get a free meal out of it. So I do understand mm. that aspect of it. But for the romance factor, yeah. now, it might be a little bit of a buzzkill. Here's another aspect to this. If you have neglected to make reservations... And pretty much every reservation is taken for Valentine's Day. And you have the opportunity, if mom and dad have invited you and you screwed up by not getting a reservation, that might be the only circumstance under which you take it. But still, no, I would not do that. I would get the heart-shaped Emo's pizza today mm-hmm. before I would go out to uh, to dinner with mom and dad. You're just a romantic, aren't you? Oh, a heart-shaped heart. pizza, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know it. Follow-up question for you. Do you ask your parents if you can overtake their reservation and say, hey, I'll make it up to you later? Yes, you do. Yeah, they've had plenty of Valentine's Days. You know, they can, they can, uh, it's going to be a beautiful day in St. Louis. They can do something on the grill, get a couple of ribeyes, 
Heart-shaped Emo's Pizza. Heart-shaped Emo's Pizza. That's right, yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, 6580 is not no longer our text line. It hasn't been for a year and a half, but I just said it. 314-399-9646. Uh, Yo-ho! Sorry. <laughs> You were ready to do it. Want me to do I it again? Was. Do I do it? Uh, okay, I sure. Three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Does White Castle still do the tablecloths and the uh, china oh, and everything? That's uh, a good question. Text in and tell us if White Castles. If you're a White Castle employee, tell us if that is indeed the case on Valentine's Day. Parents, stop being weird about your like kids' relationships. Just butt out. Jesus. That's such a weird <laughs> move by the parents to like, well, let's make reservations Maybe for our kid on the 14th. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, I have reservations at Twisted Tree tonight and then tickets to see Mama Me at the Fox, but my wife still says I need to get her a gift? Yes. Why? Uh, because I'm with him on this. she needs something that she can see after Valentine's Day. Head to Schnooks. Go to the spectacular florist at Schnooks. They have great deals on flowers right now. They have great deals on balloons. She just needs something that she can see. Dinner is great. The show is great. But she wants something that she can wake up tomorrow morning and see. And so, yes, uh, she does deserve a gift. And whether it's flowers or candy, if she eats candy, whatever it might be, yes, get it for her. Did you get Joan anything? No. Randy! (laughs) So why, why are you giving so much advice if Uncle Randy did not help that out? Uh, Dan? Yeah. I've been around, you know. I know, but still, <laughs> you, you got to give uh, the wife something. Well, that's that's what the advice I'm given. So the Uncle Randy gives advice. I'm old. But Randy character doesn't follow through. Well, I'm old. All right. What else you got, Rock? <laughs> you uh, can do something later, Randy, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> and Joan's listening. The moments yeah. pass. <laughs> Quit toying with your food on the air. Uh, dear Aunt Brooke, I have a limited budget. I want to get my girlfriend a new blues jersey or spend that money on a nice dinner. What is your thought? Ooh. Chinese jersey. Well, I'm guessing if you're getting her a jersey, then she is a big blues fan. A fan. A big blues fan. I personally would like the jersey because those jerseys are pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that would be a very nice gesture. Uh, yeah, I would do the blues jersey. I think the nice dinner, you could do that any other day, but the blues jersey seems to be really special, especially if that's something that she wants. Is that the right play, you guys? I, what do you think? I Maybe that's just is, me yes. being like a sports fan. But sure. You, you don't think so, Dan? No, I'm I'm just listening to Uncle Randy. I'm listening to Cousin Brooke. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would say that, yeah, if a blues jersey is, this has become a gift holiday. And if this is a desired commodity, then yeah, it's, Absolutely. Something like a blue jersey is great. No doubt about it. She'll be very excited. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. That's what we've we've moved beyond the romantic gift for Valentine's Day. And now it's just a gift. Yeah, you could do that and maybe dinner another time. Yeah. Or maybe something simple at home. Yeah, so, sim- something simple at home is great. It means more. Day of service, as you say, Brooke. There you go. Active service. Active service. Mm -hmm. And one active service begets another active service. (laughs) Mm. I like this one because... (laughs) Randy. Randolph. Randolph. I like this one because it it, it pertains to a wide swath of people in St. Louis. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, since it's Ash Wednesday and I can't eat meat today, I'm in a pickle. My fiance wants a steak dinner tonight, but I can't eat meat. Do I just eat everything besides the steak? Uh, Yes, you do. Now, can you do fish? Yeah, yeah. They get a sword. Uh, do the steak, and by the way, I think tomorrow is steak day. But uh, do this. Do the steak for your fiance. Why are you looking at me like Nothing, that? Nothing. I'm not. I don't, I'm not acknowledging anything you did, bro. <laughs> Nothing happened. But Brandy. yeah. Um, <laughs> so Terrible. here's here's the play. 
just get your favorite fish. Get some swordfish or some ahi tuna uh, and uh, do that up on the grill as you're doing the ribeye. And yeah, uh, you can have a thoroughly enjoyable meal, even though you don't have the steak. Fish fries are very popular this time of year. Are they doing them on, do they do them on, on Ash Wednesdays? Well, you can't eat meat on Wednesdays. But fish, even fish? Uh, you can eat fish. But like, do they do fish fries on Ash Wednesday? I don't think so. Mostly it's on they Fridays. Should. Yeah. They really should, though. I don't know why schools aren't. I don't know why parishes aren't cashing in on that. That's a smart play, Randy. Uh, Uncle Randy, my girlfriend of seven years broke up with me a month ago. This is the second time she's done this. She said she's moved on, but she's the love of my life. Do I keep fighting or move on? Seven Uh, years and she's broken up with you twice. I'm saying that the future probably is not a a strong one. I I would say that uh, it is probably a good idea, as painful as it might be for you. I, I think it might be a good idea for you to move on. Oh, that Oof. made me so sad. Yeah. I feel for him. I do too. I I really do. But you, yes, that is the best advice. It's better to move on. It seems like if she continues to do this, you need to find somebody out there who is better for you. Here's the thing: she is the love of your life. You are not the love of hers. Sadly. Go. And that's just no way to build a foundation for a relationship. And it's nothing to do, I'm sure, with him. It sounds like it's more of like what you're saying. It's just it's not the right fit and not the right person for you. Right. So you'll find somebody. Trust us. We're rooting for you. Trust Uncle Randy. I like that. Uh, We had somebody who said that. I I lost it. Here we go. Um, His wife got him a Corvette, and he's been getting her a used Corvette, and he's been getting her flowers every week for pretty much the entire year. Does he still have to go big on Valentine's Day, considering that's what she got him for his birthday? A Corvette? He said a used Corvette. I would say yes. He said he's been he's been giving her flowers and pampering her the entire year. Well, that's that's wonderful. (laughs) But uh, yeah. I, I would say that a Corvette probably deserves... And he's taking her to Jamaica. Okay, now we're talking. Oh, wow. That's, that, that was the other caveat. Sorry, I had, okay, I, no. I had to find the text. Uh, then I think that... Uh, here's the thing. If you buy her flowers and pamper her, you should be doing that all the time, whether you have a Corvette or not. So, uh, you know, flowers, candy, little gifts. Gift every day. Not a bad idea. So I would say to you that continue to pamper her every single day make every day valentine's day but then the trip to jamaica is awesome but you know what if you have a corvette it's not a big deal to buy her flowers on a regular basis to take care of her on a regular basis to leave her notes on a regular basis no i, th- I think that uh, the more you feel loved the more that uh, you both will enjoy the relationship it seems like you have the wherewithal to do all that yeah corvette and the multiple jamaica. gifts yeah. going to jamaica yeah wow. why not that is very nice mm-hmm. I, I just and just do the little things. Another guy uh, said, Do you know, Uncle Randy, I'm taking my wife out to uh, a trip this weekend that we've been planning for the last few weeks. Do I still bring her chocolates or flowers today? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah, that's, that's part of the game. Pretty much every hotel that's going to be doing uh, rooms tonight or over the weekend is going to be saying, hey, do you want us to leave flowers or candy in the room? So, yeah, you just do it. Uh, Randy, I don't have a girl. Is today a good job to go to? Is tonight a good time to go to a bar and look for a rebound? Probably not. No, I don't. Uh, and and Brooke, you might be able to weigh in on this, uh, but uh, I don't think that you're looking for somebody. This is an established romance day. <laughs> Maybe what you do is set the tone for your next relationship by going online 
to one of the online dating sites and trying to lay the foundation for a new relationship dating there. App? I, yeah, 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 but I don't think a bar tonight is the necessary. Uh, well, sometimes there's some bars yep. and restaurants that do single events, so it's not exactly a terrible okay. idea because I've I worked. Never heard that. Yeah, yeah, and it's something just kind of an anti Valentine's Day thing. The bar I used to work at back in the day, they would have this. We had this thing where you could bring in a picture of your ex and rip it, and we'd give you a free drink for that. <laughs> oh, that's that's okay. awesome. That's good. I like that. Okay, so yeah, find one of those places. I wasn't even aware they existed. So, yeah. yeah, it's okay, a new so, thing for yes. the people who are very anti-Valentine's okay. Day. So, yeah, find a place that has a singles event going on tonight. Yeah, and go to it. And it's uh, smart if you're a bar. Like, you're, like you're oh, not yeah. cashing out. People aren't making reservations at your place, so There's turn it around another way. A lot of bitter people out there that are willing to <laughs> grab a picture and rip it. <laughs> Uncle Randy, Joey V last night said during the broadcast that Valentine's Day is next Wednesday. How would you suggest we help our friend Joey before he heads to the doghouse later? Uh, I think Joey's going to be just fine. <laughs> And they have five kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mom is taking home with the kid. You better take care of mama. Yeah. And yeah. you've been gone since last Friday. Yeah. So I would say that uh, yeah, you, you take care of her. Nobody does a better job of circling the wagons than Joe Vitale, though. He will. Uh, because here's the thing. Joe can bake his own goods. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's spectacular. He probably grows his own flowers. So uh, Joey V will be just fine. We, I don't think we need to worry about Joey V. He'll get it figured Somebody, out. Somebody, I'm sure Curbs told him, too. If he said it on the air, I'm sure Curbs said, hey, buddy, it's it's tomorrow. It's not next Wednesday. So. I could just already hear that conversation right now. Yeah. I don't know. Remember the cricket last year? Curbs likes to see Joey squirm. Mm-hmm. True. He does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome, Randy. And thank you very much for your questions. Happy Valentine's. Oh, here we, we just. Happy Valentine's. There we go. From 101 ESPN. From the opening drive. Coming up, it is a National Heart Month. And it is Heart Day. So I've got a little Uncle Randy story for you coming up on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is the 57th American Heart Month. And I come from a family where there's no history of heart issues at all. It's amazing how... My parents and grandparents never had any heart problems. And that's why every year I I like to tell this story, because when I was 49, December of 2010, I'm walking in to do the pregame show for a Rams-Chiefs game at the Dome. And for the summer of 2010 and and, and the fall, I had felt, uh, even when I would go for a walk or when I would ride my bike, uh, like a clicking 
in my chest. And I didn't know. I, I didn't think I had a heart problem. I thought maybe I had heartburn, drink a lot of soda. And then after 10 minutes, it would go away and I would be fine. So it started to get worse and I started to have a shortness of breath. And as I'm walking into this game against the Chiefs, I literally can't walk anymore. I'm completely out of breath. And I had to sit down outside the dome for about five minutes and then get back up, walk walk back in. And I made an appointment immediately with my doctor. He said, let's just do a stress test. You're only 49, but let's just do a stress test just in case. So on Christmas Eve, I'm doing a stress test, Christmas Eve of 2010. And I'm on the treadmill for about five minutes. And the person that is conducting the test, it's only me and her. And she smacks the button on the treadmill. And the treadmill stops, and it was like a, an FBI raid. There were 20 people in that room in a blink. And I was only across the street. I was at St. Luke's at the outpatient center, and I felt fine. And I, they wanted to take me across the street in an ambulance. They said, this is an emergency. And I said, well, I can drive. And they said, no, you cannot drive. So they literally took me across the street in an ambulance, and I'm being wheeled down the hall within minutes and getting a stent put in. And to put a stent in, they go up through your leg and through your torso. And you actually, if it's not a procedure where they put you under, you get to watch as they're running a wire through your body and putting a stent in. It's unbelievable. I was talking to the nurse who was at my side saying... Uh, talking about the value of red wine for the heart. So I remember that vividly. But also I remember, as I'm being wheeled down the hall, you have the best cardiologist. You're in great hands. A guy named Dr. Morton Rinder. I would not be here talking today if it wasn't for Dr. Rinder. He's unbelievable. So he put the stent in and told me what to do, Said gave me his expectations. He said, I want you to be able to run marathons. I said, Dr. Rinder, I have not run 26 miles in my life. <laughs> I said, I ride my bike. He said, okay, I want you to ride your bike every day. So I was doing that, and I was working out on the treadmill right before the Super Bowl in 2012. This is uh, February, January of 2012, and I feel a burning sensation in my chest. And because I'd had the stent put in, I made a, an appointment with Dr. Rinder right away. He said, come in, do it, go to the Super Bowl, take it easy at the Super Bowl, come back, do another stress test. I started, said, okay, I will. So I come back, do another stress test, get through it, and I feel like I'm fine. But he says, I, I sense a little ir- irregularity. I want to put, put another stent in. So I ca- come in February 9th of 2012, and he's going to put a stent in, and he's going through, and they find that uh, I have a blockage at the Widowmaker. And it's really dangerous to put a stent in there. So I uh, come out of it. Uh, this one they did put me under. I come out of it, and there's Dr. Rinder in my room when I come out of it. And he says, hey, I, I just was really uncomfortable putting a stent in there. I want you to undergo a bypass. I said, okay, cool. I'm not understanding the the depth and how important and how serious a bypass operation was. Well, I was on a blood thinner because of what happened in 2010. And so I had to sit in the hospital from the 9th through the 14th. So 12 years ago today, a guy comes into my hospital room and starts shaving my chest. I said, what's going on here? He said, dude, you're getting bypassed today. You got to have your chest shaved. So he, he completely shaves. So I'm completely smooth. I was I looked like a swimmer there. Uh, and so they, they take me in, and I, I didn't even tell my kids, who at that time were 17 and uh, 14, I didn't even tell—they went to school that day not knowing if their dad would get up off the table. That's how routine I thought it was, and I never told them. I never said goodbye or never felt any seriousness. And I was on the table for a long time. 
and I came out of it, and then I come home a few days later, try to walk up the steps like I'd had a stent, bad move, completely out of breath. And I wound up, my goal, because Alan Craig had been injured the year before, my goal was to try to be back at work before Alan Craig got back with the Cardinals, which I did. I missed 17 work days, 17 business days before I came back. And I was very serious about my rehab. And this is why I tell the story. Because one day I was doing rehab from the quadruple bypass over at St. Luke's. And I can picture this guy. I hope he's listening now. White hair, shiny black Mizzou sweatsuit. And uh, he, he, I'm walking out. He's walking in. He says, are you Randy Carricker? I said, yes, sir. He said, I just want to tell you, you saved my life. And I said, how? And he said, well, you told that story after you came back from your bypass. And you said, go to your doctor if you feel any pain or discomfort at all in your chest. And I was a man, so I thought it was heartburn too. But I went to my doctor, and I wound up having to have the same surgery you had. And like me, in nineteen or in 2010, Dr. Rinder had told me I was in Daryl Kyle territory. He, that's For a sports guy, to hear that you're in Daryl Kyle territory, that's pretty serious business. Uh, because Daryl Kyle died in 2002. And, and so I, I was very conscious of it. And I, so I told the story on the air when I came back. And this guy... Went to his doctor, found out that he needed a quadruple bypass, and told me, uh, what could be have more gravity than that, to have somebody say, you saved my life? And I want people to know, even if you're young, I was only 49 and I had no history of heart problems in my family. If you have any discomfort at all in your chest, make an appointment with your, either your primary doctor or your cardiologist, and especially during American Heart Month. Make sure you get it checked out because there's an old uh, commercial. Is it heart or is it heartburn? Um, well, for me, it was. I thought it was heartburn, and it wound up being my heart. And I wouldn't be here today. I, I've got to experience so many cool things over the last 12 years, uh, a, a lot of them recently, because of the fact that I, I went to my doctor. So I just want people to go to their doctor. Don't don't tough it out and think, oh, it'll just go away. Use your doctor. They're there for a reason. I think especially for men, when you're talking about men and that mentality is, oh, I can just push through this, right? Yep, you have that, that societal pressure of just saying, oh, I can push through this. This is just heartburn. This is not a big deal. And I think that's why it's so important that you tell that story, because it is hard to decipher the difference between heartburn and something as concerning as what yep. you just went through. Right. And one other thing, you find out who your best friends in the world are when you're in the hospital. And Dan visited me on a regular basis. Mike Claiborne, the late, great Demetrius Johnson, Frank Cusimano, Spags, who had just been fired by the Rams, and he was, I think he was moving and, and came over. You find out who your very best friends are, and uh, I, I will never forget those guys sitting in a chair at the, at the end of the bed being there for me. And, Dan, I really do appreciate it, and I'll never forget it. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. It's a great story. I've, I've been on the air with you, uh, I think, three different times, including today when you tell that story, and uh, it resonates. You know, I'm 49, so I think about it, <clears throat> and I know there's a lot of people that are my age that would do what you did, which is to think that, well, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, something's going to happen to me. I've been healthy all my life. You know, yeah. go get checked. Yeah. And, and if it would have just if I wouldn't have had the shortness of breath, if I wouldn't have had to stop and sit down at the dome, if I would have just had that click, I probably wouldn't be here today. If I if I if it's just the click and I I don't. And by Coach Venturi, by the way, said you better get to a doctor. So I, I, we were doing the pregame show together. Uh, and. and it, it was weird because I know now, looking back, that I had had a, a problem with the heart for a long time, but I didn't realize it. I didn't think about it. I didn't, like you said, Brooke, I didn't believe it, uh, but I, I did. And so that that's my advice. Uncle Randy gives you that little bit of advice because it's uh, we want you here. 
we need listeners, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we want we want you here. But your family needs you, and uh, especially Heart Month, and on this day, it's serious business. How much did it change your life perspective after that? Oh, tremendously. I I, I take much better care of myself, and I have I have a much better. There, there's two things, Brooke. I I have a much better appreciation of life. I I certainly don't have the temper that I had before, but. I also understand this platform a lot better, that people do listen and pay attention and that we can be a force for better if we treat it right here uh, on 101 ESPN. So I guess the, if you're going to look at this story, the one positive thing is you're still here and living. Still here and living. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Rams did something good for you. Oh, that, that could be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you weren't yeah. going to do the pregame, who knows oh, where you'd be. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the other uh, notable thing was that uh, when I was in the hospital, just sitting around, well, two things. Number one, I had a nurse that was a Red Wings fan. She was the worst. Um, no, she, she really didn't keep wasn't. you alive. She, she was a sweetheart. <laughs> she did, and so I try to make an effort, and I will today to take uh, some uh, cupcakes or something over to the nurses at St. Luke's every year on Valentine's Day because they were awesome to me. Even the Red Wings fan, uh, that they were fantastic, and and I love them and thank all the people at St. Luke's and Dr. Cordy Cordes now retired. Uh, performed the surgery, and he was sensational. And uh, Kamiko Temin was actually my anesthesiologist. One of my best friends, Tim Temin's wife, was my anesthesiologist, so that was cool. And then the other thing that happened as I'm waiting for my blood to thicken because I was on a blood thinner was that uh, Whitney Houston died, and I got some really good material out of that. Yeah, that's terrible. Let's uh, not bring that up. No, no, no. <laughs> no. This is a serious yeah. segment. You're, no, you're she was, she was such a, l- a great oh, no. singer. You're uh, giving Drawing a lot of talent. A lot of good uh, information oh, oh. here. Randy, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's too late. He already snuck one out. I heard it, but hopefully I'm talking over it. A lot of important information, and the way you lock that in, Randy, is by saying something that they'll just never forget this segment. Just different ways to look at it, Danny. Yeah. Who would have known that Whitney Houston wasn't a very good swimmer? Oh. Oh. Who would have known? So, uh... Take it or Dan? leave it is coming yeah, up. Dan. We have a fresh take. We've got uh, Jamie Rivers, Blues analyst, will be with us. The fight. We got the fight coming up. Oh, We're going nice. to get into nice. uh, rush hour reset. Yep. Uh, oh, oh, how about man. those bears? Fe- fe- February 14th, 2012. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was it was quite a day. Glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> a, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be here. And I know our and listeners weird, feel it, that way too. Yeah, yep. I, yeah. It's and never having been a swimmer to get to be a man. <laughs> and I woke up to getting my chest shaved. I literally woke up to shaving cream all over my chest. It was never forget it. Never, <laughs> never forget it. So uh, anyway, guys. Take care of yourselves for your family and for you. Take care of yourselves. All right. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we do have Take It or Leave It. Send in your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Leave it. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. It is time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke. 
Dan, Matthew, and Randy. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Uh, take it or leave it, guys. Uh, you believe that I wore this red on purpose today. Oh, I'm going to take it. No. I almost said no? it earlier in the show. I'm going to take it. Yeah. Leave it. See, there you go. And, oh, by the way, uh, the Air Alliance team heating and cooling uh, video cam, the, the studio cam is on right now. And you can see us if you just go to the YouTube and uh, type in 101 ESPN STL. And you might as well subscribe to us while you're there. But, uh, yeah, I, I wore red today because it's Valentine's. But you didn't get Joan any there. Happy Valentine's! You're telling yeah, everybody. There's a lot of time you, left. A lot Uncle, of time left. Hey, yeah. Uncle Randy was sitting there saying, you better get something for your loved yeah, one, and Uncle Randy yeah. did not. A lot of time left. Well, I will say, true. Dan, that Randy was working hard yesterday on making a certain reservation. I don't want to reveal too much. A yeah. certain reservation the, for the, the, today. The, the, and I, I'm telling you that everything is packed. <laughs> Yeah, you said yesterday that if you don't have your reservations in now, you're not going to dinner. Mm-hmm. And now you're still trying to make reservations. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I, I made uh, other plans. Let's put it that way. Okay, good. I will say that somebody replied earlier to your White Castle question mm-hmm. on yes. if they're still doing that yeah. Valentine's Day special. And somebody who works at White Castle says that they are. And oh. if you need a reservation, let him know. Oh, there you go. Okay, thank you. So you have an option there. Good, Randy. I like that. <laughs> So take it or leave it, guys. Uh, Wide receiver for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, wants to know the team's plans at quarterback before committing to a long-term contract. And he has said multiple times that he wants Kirk Cousins to stay in Minnesota. Take it or leave it, Kirk Cousins will resign with the Vikings. I am going to take that. I'm going to take it, too. He's even said he would accept less Mm -hmm. to stay in Minnesota. So that uh, tells me that he'll come back. Yeah. Coming off the Achilles, and he's going to be 36 next season, I believe. But yeah, give him another three-year deal for a guaranteed $90 million and go from there. What about Justin Jefferson, though? Apparently, he's also asking for a pretty big payday soon. But you have the inside track, right? If you And the team can always franchise him, too. So you might as well, if you're him, work towards a deal. And now you put the Vikings on the clock to, to sign uh, Kirk Cousins. All right, take it or leave it. The narrative that Kyle Shanahan should be considered a coach that can't win the big game should be held off for just a bit. And the reason why I say that is that Andy Reid lost three straight NFC championships, a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan has lost two NFC championships and a couple of Super Bowls. Yeah, I I will totally take that that we should hold off because to me, the NFC championship is a pretty big game. It is a pretty big game. I'm going to have to take it too, Dan, because while that was a very devastating way to lose, and we're getting into this later about certain players saying that they didn't know the overtime rules, but Brock Purdy came out and said that they did know the overtime rules, so it wasn't necessarily on Kyle Shanahan, but to lose in another devastating fashion like that, he is gaining experience, and even through mistakes, you still learn a lot of lessons moving forward. Okay, so Brooke, I'm going to give you a scenario for your Titans. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> My Titans always. You can scary. go. You're told that you can go to overtime over the Super Bowl every single year. Would you? Would you want to keep that coach around? If you you don't know if you're going to win or lose, would you take keep a coach that goes to overtime in the Super Bowl every single year? Oh yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's amazing to me that people are not happy about going to, to overtime in the Super Bowl. People are just unhappy that. in sports in general, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. If you but, don't win, then all of a sudden narratives pop yep. up. 
And Coach Vermeil always said, and he's 100% right, it's just as hard to lose a Super Bowl as it is to win a Super Bowl. The, the Titans easily could have beaten the Rams in Super Bowl 34, right? The, uh, an extra point. Should Kyle Shanahan take the blame because Moody missed an extra point that would have won them the game in regulation? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's not coaching. Well, no. it, maybe he could have found another kicker, but uh, they got a kick blocked. Then the other team, sometimes people forget this. The other team's trying also. They they want to win too. Yeah. They got players too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including Patrick Mahomes, yeah, who's pretty, really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line, sir? Take it or leave it. Marp gets more than 100 bats at bats this season. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave it. I, I think the at-bats will go. Now, everything's predicated on how well you're hitting and how well somebody else is not, or if there's injury. But I'm going to leave that, and I think that you'll see the majority of the at-bats in certain situations go to, let's say, if someone's got a day off, you give them pinch-hitting appearance unless they're fully off, and then Alec Burleson will get a bunch, too. That would be ideal for me. If Carpenter is on the team and gets less than 100 at-bats, I think that's why you signed him. He, and we, Tom Lawless got 26 in 1987. Well, if he mm-hmm. gets less than 100 at-bats, it should tell you that your team is probably playing pretty well. Yes. Ooh. So looking at his stats over the years, he had 188 at-bats last season, 128 in 2022, 207. Prior to that, he hasn't been below 100 at-bats. Could so. change this year. Yeah. I think that that was hopefully the plan going into this. I think the the plan was that you wanted, if you look at the track record of this offseason, what they're doing is getting veterans in there, getting back to the culture Mm -hmm. that allowed them to win, and he was a big part of that. People forget he was part of the 2011 championship team. Mm -hmm. If you appear in a game for that season, you're counted to get a ring, and he got a ring in 2013. He was one of the best players in baseball and was one of the best in a, a pretty decent stretch. Yeah. I think he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer before it's all said and done. Take it or leave it. The Bears draft number 13 and keep JF1, then trade one in week three to six to a team with a QB injury. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Can I say, uh, you can type out Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. You don't need to say yeah. number 13 in JF1. Yeah. Justin Fields isn't good enough to have a nickname yet. Not yet. No, and, and I, I just... Not, gonna, you, you, what's wrong with yeah. calling him JF1? Here's not the thing. good enough for it. It's, you, you just can't project that somebody's going to have an injury and then want the quarterback that you have. You want to put your, together your roster to start the season. And if you do it the way that you're suggesting, Texter, you basically have a useless roster spot with an extremely valuable piece of property in Fields. So you trade Fields... And you tra- take Caleb Williams, and hopefully you can get more than just a, like a second-round pick for Justin Fields. And uh, Caleb Williams is your guy for the future. I think the Steelers have the 20th overall pick. Mm-hmm. If you're the Steelers, are you interested in making that deal and bring Justin Fields in? I think Arthur Smith would be an interesting coach for him. I, I would be very intrigued by that if I were the Steelers. Yep, me that too. That makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. Yep. Yeah. I, I really see that being a good fit for him. And also another counter argument. When you're talking about he's not good enough, Rock, to get a nickname, yep. have you listened to a show sometimes? We give a lot of guys nicknames oh, yeah. who necessarily aren't the best. Marp? He already had that one when he was good. Tomey. Oh. Tome, oh, that, Tomater. Yeah, that's, that's true. not yeah. exactly like the same kind of nickname I'm talking about here, Brooke. <laughs> uh, one other thing. How about Atlanta for Justin Fields? Yes. 
Yeah. Yep. I, I looked at the two teams I thought that would be potential fits would be first Pittsburgh because they need a QB, mm-hmm. but uh, same thing with Atlanta. And it, you're right, Randy, if you don't have to give up a ransom, huge ransom to get them, I, mm-hmm. I'm still intrigued with them. And there's been talk that the uh, the Bears would keep fields and draft Caleb Williams in the blueprint for some would be to have him sit and then become the starter. But, man, you would be opening up a can of worms that you don't want to deal with. Yes. Right. Because what happens if just – and I don't expect Justin Fields to become good, right? I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. But but what happens is what happened to the Chargers when they drafted Phillip Rivers and they still had Drew Brees. Yep. Right? There's – it's just really difficult to have two really good quarterbacks on your roster, and you're going to lose one of them. And how much will Justin Fields be – paid if they do keep him next year it would be the year he this year he's fine fine but yes. then next year is the big money that which kicks opens in. up the can of worms yeah. uh take it or leave it jordan walker goes for a 2020 this year uh, uh you know what i'll take it i'll be sunshine lollipops i'll take that yeah. uh, after the way that he finished uh the final two months of the regular season don't play it yet randy but i do think that he has a chance to be 2020 <laughs> there you go We're together. What do you think if he's not 2020? Uh, 4015. That would be a hell of a year. (laughs) Yeah. He's a big fella. I think he could eventually be a 30 home run guy. I do too. Mm. Now, he's so young, but he's going to get better and better. And this is a big step for him this year. Finally, you have the rookie year done, the nerves, fast uh, part of the game kind of slows down for him i could see this being a big year for him yeah he's he's got to work on his launch angle a little bit but if he does why are you guys looking at me that way oh, by the way know. it benefited him to going down to the minor leagues and coming back now if you want to say he was working on the launch angle that's one thing but how about just taking some of the pressure off to go down to the minor leagues yeah and figuring out who can't play or who gets hurt here and, yeah maybe you should have treated his slump at the end of spring training a little bit different no it's spring training all right I don't believe anything I see in spring training. Especially after uh, last uh, season. What did that lead to? Where Ali said, you're here because we have confidence that you can overcome adversity because you have, and then he faced adversity and they set him down. It was pretty tough. (laughs) It's just the game was fast on him. You could just see that. Even in the outfield, it it was kind of a tough stretch. Sunshine and Lollipops, take it or leave it. New bar, 30 home runs. Leave it. Leave it. I'll have to take it. 25-25 guy. (laughs) I'm going to leave that too. Ooh, they're not going to run that much, are they? Oh, come on. They're, yeah, they're going to steal 314 bases, Matthew. 350. Wait a second. They Whoa. have a Hold better a roster to steal bases this year. They now, do. when you fall behind 4 nothing in every game, you're not stealing bases because you sit back to get runners on and then hit a home run. You're just not going to steal bases in those situations. And I think that was one of the reasons why the stolen base total was so low last year for the Cardinals. Yeah, and it'll help to get Mason Wynn on base yes. to steal, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with you, but do you think that there's also an argument there of that it can help you gain momentum sometimes by stealing bases in a game? Change sure, the en- I, ener- energy? Yeah, I think it can, but the the basis of the game, though, would be to stay on and have yeah. a, a big home run, which can change the momentum of the game, too. Yep. Thank you, Matthew.
And thank you for your, for your text. We do appreciate them. Matthew's working on a computer. He's Coming busy. up, speaking of uh, giving up early leads, MLB.com lists their favorites and dark horses for the Cy Young Award. Is there a dark horse Cardinal Cy Young winner on the staff? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the day's top stories, it's the opening drive's fresh take. Brooke, Randy, and Dan here. And our fresh take today is a big question. MLB.com lists their favorites and dark horses for the Cy Young Award. Which Cardinal guys do you think is a dark horse for Cy Young consideration? And look, honestly, when I was doing some prep work for this last night, I was really struggling to even think of a dark horse. Is that a bad thing? Or is there some guys that we should be looking at? That's a a bad thing. It's got to be Sonny Gray. Yeah, you know, AL, Cy Young runner-up, yeah, $75 I mean, million dollar guy. Second to Garrett Cole. Let, let me just give you the resume. It's, okay. it's fantastic. It, it is very good. Second to Garrett Cole in the American League Cy Young a year ago. Third best ERA in all of baseball to Blake Snell and Garrett Cole. Home run rate was first among major league starters. 319 percentage against Gray. Second lowest against any major league starter. He had 5.3 wins above replacement. War was only behind Zach Wheeler and Spencer Strider. That's a hell of a resume coming into this season. Now, the concern would be he's 34, and he's averaged only 146 innings pitched over the past three seasons. That would be my concern, his age and the lack of innings. And we're talking about a dark horse for Cy Young. And he's not on that list for MLB.com. He would be your dark horse. And, but one of the reasons that they didn't have him on there, one of their rules was that you could not have received Cy Young votes last year. Oh, okay. Because that makes you more of a dark horse. Oh, okay. So now so, we're talking about a dark, dark, dark horse. Dark horse, yeah. Dark, dark horse. Is there a reliever possibly? Now, the last reliever to have won a Cy Young, I believe, was Eric Gagne back in 2003. So it's been, it's been a it's long been a time. But is there a reliever that could possibly be a part of this conversation? And he did it so naturally. Uh, I see what you did there, Dan. (laughs) Uh, I looked at this, and Dennis Eckersley had 51 saves and a 1-9-1 ERA when he won the Cy Young. This is the amazing part, though. He threw 80 innings. He threw 80 innings. Two years ago, Helsley in 54 games, a 1-2-5 ERA in 64 and two-thirds. But you'd like to see that up a little bit, and he would be the only guy I'd consider to get a Cy Young out of the bullpen, and man, that is a reach. It is. The one guy that I, I see is the guy that is three years removed from finishing third in the American League Cy Young voting. Uh, Lance Lynn was 11-6 and six, uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago with a 2.69, threw 157 innings, struck out 176, and he's really not that much different at 37 than he was at 34. Last year, he displayed the same sort of stuff that he displayed when he was third in the American League Cy Young Award voting. So he's the one guy... He had three consecutive years in the American League where he was uh, 
top six in their Cy Young voting, fifth, sixth, and then third. So I, I think that Lance Lynn would be the guy if the offense is there for the Cardinals. And I know that the voters don't really look at wins anymore. But I do think that he, he can win enough for the Cardinals and throw enough innings for the Cardinals so that he'll be in the conversation. I don't think he would win it, but I guess the, the guy I'd look at, real dark horse, would be Miles Michaelis. Yeah. If he can get back to what he did a couple of years ago, and I think he was a top five finalist for that. Um, but he's on, off, on, off, and I think this would be the on year for him. So we'll have to see if Miles Michaelis could get in that conversation, too. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. top six in his uh, first year back in 2018. 2018, and that was when he got back from Japan Correct. pitching there. And so that was that was a great year for him. But, Dan, to your point, the on-off, on-off is what always kind of concerns me. He did say that towards the end of the season is, this is an off year for me. I typically do this, and so it will be an on year for me next year. I also think uh, because of how the games went for the Cardinals last year, I would imagine some of these starters felt like, i got to be perfect because mm-hmm. – our offense is just not where it needs to be. And you put pressure on a starter to say, I got to be perfect. And they weren't some of the worst numbers in baseball, but that is something to think about going forward, how you approach a game when you feel like you've got to be perfect and you're just not the same. One of the things about this segment that concerns me is that when I look at teams that I think have a chance to represent the national league in the world series, they all have a clear number one guy, a guy where you could say, okay, I can see him winning the Cy Young in the National League. Philadelphia has that guy. Atlanta has that guy. The Dodgers have that guy. The Giants have that guy. I, I just don't think the Cardinals have that guy. At the I moment. do believe Sonny Gray can be that guy. I, I hope he can. Uh, having a career year at 34, wonderful. Hopefully he's figured it out. But uh, from people that I've talked to on a national level, especially when he was with the Yankees, he did not handle the pressure of being at a place where he was expected to win well at all. And hopefully that has changed for him. But the expectations in Minnesota are not extraordinary. The expectations in Cincinnati are not high. The expectations in Oakland weren't high. When he went to a place where they talked about winning is really important here, we have to win, like the Cardinals always say, uh, things did not go well for him at all. What would you say, though, when you develop a pitch, his slider, sweeper, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, gave up just 15 hits and 195 at-bats against that pitch last year. And sometimes as you get to your mid-30s, you got to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's done that, and that'll mean a little bit more success for him. Who would the cop be? Who's reinvented themselves and turned themselves into a number one? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to think that's, about it. That's the problem that I have. I'm sure there's guys. Yeah. Like Logan Webb? Yeah, he's. I don't know that he's that old, uh, but I, I hope that Sonny Gray has found the fountain of youth, and I hope that he has found, you know, that, that he can be that guy that he can pitch game one of a playoff series against Spencer Strider and shut the Braves down. Well, you get a good example of it in game one of the yep. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, Yamamoto has looked just awesome in some of the things that he's done on the side. Again, it's spring training; you don't know, but man, if if the numbers for him translate to uh, what's going on with Major League Baseball, he's going to have a huge year. I'm very excited to see Yamamoto. Now, not in that first series, because obviously they're going to be facing the Cardinals, and that will be very... (laughs) I don't know how fun it will be to see them facing him in that situation, but I'm excited to see what he'll do. But I have been interested. I don't know. How much do you guys pay attention to all of the beginning stuff of spring training? Do you enjoy seeing all the videos that come out of what the guys are doing? Sonny Gray has just obviously really fully taken charge, which he should, because Mm -hmm. he's making the big 
big money as the big contract, but it seems like he's just really setting the tone for this spring train. There's always a leader every single year. We know that Yadier Molina has been that guy prior. Then you had Adam Wainwright. From everything that I'm gathering, and it's very early on here, Sonny Gray seems to be the one who's leading the pack a lot in this. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's great. I, I like seeing that stuff. You don't you, like, you to like to see, see them? No, I, <laughs> would I prefer that they had a guy that had a World Series ring and really has known how to go through September and October? Yes, but he is what he is, and they, 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 that's what they have. So I, I'm glad that he is taking charge. Charlie Morton became very good later in his career, 817. That's true, but mm-hmm. is he a number one? No. Uh, Wayno did the same thing mid to late 30s, 314. Wayno no, was... Uh, he was third in the Cy Young voting when he was in 2009. Yeah. Uh, so that was a pretty long time ago. I, I still am excited about Sonny Gray. I am. I'm, oh, I, I'm I am. excited. I think he's a really solid 1A or 2. But my, my question is, and maybe this, we have a long time to go, but do I feel comfortable right now with Sonny Gray starting a game against Strider and the Braves or Wheeler and the uh, Phillies or Yamamoto or whomever? I think Walker Bueller will be healthy this year and the Dodgers. I'm not to that point yet. I don't have that comfort level. Hopefully he'll earn that comfort level with How many teams, though, would have that comfort level against the guys you just mentioned? Pretty much every contender. That's it. So you're saying the Cardinals will not be a contender? Uh, I wouldn't suggest that they're a World Series contender at the moment. Okay. All right. That's fair. And then uh, in 2011... I said on August 19th, on my birthday, that there was zero chance of them making the playoffs. (laughs) Well, you weren't the only one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Coming up next, uh, here on 101 ESPN, we are going to talk to our buddy Jamie Rivers. I wonder if, I guess the Blues are home. Is Rivers going to join us next? He's all right. I'm fired up. Yeah, he confirmed. Okay, cool. That's good. He he, he, he first told me to leave him alone, but then he confirmed. Yeah, pretty pretty early for him to do that. Uh, He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Toronto after a very successful road trip after the All-Star game and the All-Star break. And a Blues analyst on Bally Sports and our colleague here at 101 ESPN, member of the Fast Lane, Jamie Rivers, joins us as he does every Wednesday morning. Rivers, good morning and happy Valentine's Day. How are you doing? Oh, happy Valentine's Day, Randy. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to have you back in town. What time did you guys get in? I uh, landed about one one fifteen, and then, you know, you've got to do the whole customs thing. And so I don't know what time it was I got home, but uh, it feels like just a couple hours ago. <laughs> because it was. It was. Well, Jamie, before we get into some blues, we were talking about Valentine's Day, and you have a very lovely girlfriend in Ashley. What is your advice to the guys out there for Valentine's Day today? Ooh, like my advice, like relationship advice or Valentine's Day specific advice? Valentine's Day specific advice. Okay, good, because, you know, I don't necessarily have a great track record the other way. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> now, for Valentine's Day, my suggestion is to just, you know, focus on doing things that are nice for the other person. I know that sounds like very generic, but things that are nice to them. 
So if there's something that they do every day, if they get up, let the dogs out every morning, make sure you get up first. You be the one to let the dogs out. You take initiative to, you know, do whatever chores have to be done. And then, of course, uh, I always go with flowers. I always go with roses because it never gets old. It never gets dated. And uh, always make sure that there's a wonderful dinner. And for me, it's more a day of appreciation for the other individual uh, it's not a fluff day. Uh, I think that, you know, people get caught up in it. To, oh, it's a, you know, it's just a marketing day or a hallmark day. It really isn't. I mean, because life is going at you pretty fast, and especially in my world where, you know, between Ashley and I, we've got six kids and I've got three jobs and she's got a job and things are going sideways. I think dedicating one day to just focusing on, each other and making sure the other one knows just you know, how much you love them and, and how much you appreciate them. For me, that's the key to all of it. That is just adorable, Jamie. You probably weren't You're sure. Welcome, you, know, you know, thank you very much. I needed that advice for sure. And now I need a question answered, which is what happened with the Blues last night? What did you see? Oh, I thought you were going to say, what happened to the 18-year-old Jamie? I I should have said that. (laughs) The 18-year-old Jamie and old Danny Mac had a lot of fun back in the day, so I should have asked you about that. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was appreciation, but uh, yeah. You know, not quite the same. This is why we're in better places now. Uh, Understood, for sure. So what did you Uh, see in the game? uh, I saw a flat team. I just did. You know, the Blues had every opportunity. And you know how this works, Danny. You got a team like the Leafs that their number one defenseman suspended for five games. And then right after warm-up, it's declared that John Tavares and Mitch Marner won't be playing either due to illness. So now you've got their three, four, and five top scorers on their team out of the lineup. I don't know if that, you know, had the guys take their foot off the gas at all or if they thought it would be a little bit easier but I don't think they expected the beginning of the game to go like it did where the Leafs from puck drop were all over them. Like, honestly, for the first five minutes, it felt like the Leafs had pulled the goal and had an extra guy on the ice. And the Blues were just under siege, and they never really regained any – they really never had any momentum in the game. You know, the fourth line was your best line last night. Alexei Torpchenko played another great game. But – and I say this – for people to understand it, it's great that your fourth line had a great game. I'm happy for them, but it's problematic when they're your best line in a game of importance like that. Makes sense. Hey, Rivs, uh, Dominic Lecision over at the Athletic had the Blues at a 15% chance to make the playoffs. I've got them with my math at 28% chance to make the playoffs. Do you, do you think this is a playoff team? And as you know, my proclivity for great math. Uh, so I have 28% is much more accurate than any computer he has. But uh, are they a playoff team? I don't see how they're not, Randy. Honestly, like I look at the teams behind them right now, and those teams are doing the same types of things. In fact, they... Most of those teams haven't strung together the wins that the Blues have recently. So if you, if you look at the L.A. Kings, they are, like, plummeting. I have no idea what's going on in Hollywood these days, but that team is in trouble. So, you know, that's a team that I'm not really worried about. Nashville, I think they're a very beatable team, um, but they still find themselves behind you, technically, in the wild card standings. And everybody else keeps losing games, too. I don't – and Calgary, let's look at Calgary – they're going to have to sell off pieces because they have unrestricted free agents that have basically said, we're not coming back to Calgary. Like, we're not. 
And so they're going to have to sell off two or three of their biggest pieces of that team before the deadline. So that team's going to probably change direction quickly. And Seattle is a hodgepodge right now. You don't know what you're getting with them. So when you look at the teams that are there, I look at the Blues, and they're the most consistent team right now, which leads me to believe with with no math, because I'm not even going to try, uh, that they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think they're going to be right there, Randy. Okay, so you you can – I'll put a number out there for you. Jamie Rivers has them at like a 94%. How about – is that good? Good number for you? 94.3. I like, okay, I like it to be just a little unique. Beautiful. Well done. You you have as much validity as Dom LeCision, so <laughs> might as well throw a number out there. Brandy, well, I would like to think I have more validity than Dom LeCision. You, you do. <laughs> yes, I will agree with that for sure. Well, of course, we didn't like what happened last night with the Blues in that loss, but just overall looking at the road trip, what were your big takeaways? Uh, this group is coming together, man. Honestly, the energy that they had surrounding the group, and I'm not just talking about the games. I mean, the games are one thing, but you guys, all three of you know that there's a certain energy that surrounds a team when things are going in the right direction, when things can continue to go in the right direction. And that's what they've got. I can practice. You know, they're on their toes. They're snapping the puck around. They're hooting. They're hollering. Everybody's having a good time. And when the game time comes, guys are doing their jobs. And you're seeing players do things that are – you know, not maybe out of character, but they're not part of their job description. And Robert Thomas is blocking shots. And then Alexei Torovchenko is scoring highlight reel goals to start a hockey game. There's just a really good vibe surrounding this team. I think the coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job of keeping those guys in the zone. And I just really think that, for me, it feels like a team that's coming together. You know, Ribs, he's kind of a lightning rod in town, but it's Tory Krug, and he had the, the five-point game the other day. I When I watch this guy, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he competes. I mean, that's one guy that really competes night in and night out. Again, not the biggest guy out there. He's had his struggles at times on the power play, but when I watch him, the dude just flat-out competes. Yeah, Dan, I, I totally agree. I watch Tory Krug, and even during his times of difficulties – it's not because he's not trying. It's not because he's not competing. It's just there are some times where things don't go right. Last year, look, at we could, we could pick a whole bunch of guys and say last year was bad. When you look at this season, offensively, it was very mediocre for Tory Krug to start the season. But why is that? Well, because the power play was atrocious. And a lot of guys were suffering offensively because of the power play. Now the power play is... Is finally where it should be. And look at the guys who are thriving with the offensive numbers and your quarterback of your power play. He's also one of those guys. I just, I look at a guy who in time of, you know, where things were down in time of need where he couldn't produce offensively, he changed his style enough to be able to be a valuable defenseman defensively. I'm not saying a shutdown defenseman. I'm saying a valuable guy defensively. He even got out there on the penalty kill and did a damn good job on the penalty kill at the time to be able to contribute to this team. And now things are bouncing for him offensively. So I, I really like what I've seen out of Tory Krug. I like the fact that he said that he didn't want to leave St. Louis. He didn't want to accept the trade. He came back here under tough conditions. And all he's done since the moment he's come back this season is prove to everybody that he's here to wear the blue note and he's going to work as hard as he can while wearing it. Rivs, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time and get a little bit more rest and we'll hear from you this afternoon in the fast lane. 
You got it, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great day. Thank you, Jamie. That's our buddy Jamie Rivers here on 101 ESPN. Always great to hear from Rivs right after a Blues game. He's a busy man. He's got, like, uh, hockey practices Mm -hmm. in the mornings Mm -hmm. for kids, and then he's doing the fast lane. He's got the TV work, so he's all over the place. Good dude. A lot of jobs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good dude. Uh, Coming up, we've got the fight. Matthew, you need a fighter? Uh, yeah, we do. Okay, good. Let's get a fighter then. 314-399-9646. yo ho All you need to do is text in your name and the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me on this Valentine's Day. Maybe I'll have a heart for you here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner. Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke here with Dan, Randy, and Matthew, and it is time for the fight. And real quick, just before we get into the fight. Dan, we are really feeling the love today on this Valentine's Day. Yes, we there are. There was a very sweet surprise that just was brought in moments ago for Rockio. Some donuts. And thankfully, Rachel's also got us some donuts as well. And Rachel would be your significant other, Rock? Indeed, yes. Okay. She's, she's insanely sweet. She didn't have to do that, but she did because it, that's what she does. It wasn't just some Randall Rachel. No, no, no. Okay. That, is, that, is, that is, in fact, my significant other. Yes. All right. And he's blushing now. It's so sweet. I hate being the center of attention despite the job I do. It's, it's a weird combination where it's like, I, I don't like being, I don't like that. Yeah, this kind of stuff makes me uncomfortable. Oh. I hate it. Oh, but you stop. No, you. I love it. It's very sweet. It makes me, it, it makes my heart I have absolutely just, you know, three times bigger on the Grinch. But uh, it does make me feel very uncomfortable. Well, we appreciate her doing that because we're also enjoying your Valentine's gift. Now we're going to welcome into the fight, John. John, how are you doing today? Doing well. Nice. Are you having a good Valentine's Day so far? Yeah, I had a good, I've been in, uh, was in Mexico for the last five days, so I'm a little foggy right now. Oh, Mexico. Nice. That's a good way to celebrate leading into Valentine's Day and a nice little vacation. Yeah, it was nice. All right. Well, you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Absolutely. Question number one, John. Who did the Cardinals beat in the 2013 NLCS? Was it the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Milwaukee Brewers, or the L.A. Dodgers? 2013 would have been the Dodgers. Is that your final answer, John? That is absolutely the final answer. Okay, number two. Across their four-year Super Bowl run, the Bills won two season-long awards. Which K-Gun star took home both awards? Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly. Um, let's go with Thurman Thomas. All right, final answer. Here we go to question three. Who was the first African-American manager in both the NL and AL? Is it Ernie Banks, Larry Doby, or Frank Robinson? Frank Robinson. And question four, which NFL franchise owns the record for the longest regular season winning streak, winning 23 straight games across two seasons? Is it the Colts, the Patriots, or the Dolphins? The New England Patriots. All right, we'll bring Randy in, and we'll see how you fared. I, I'm going to tell you, you did a good job, John. Now we'll see what happens here with Randy. 
Randy, normally it is grapes, but uh, today no grapes. Randall, did you get a donut? We're going to find out that. That's going to keep people on the edge of their seats. (laughs) He's going to save it for later, probably. Say hello to John. John, good morning. I did not have a donut. Really? Hi, Randy. Hi, John. Good to have you with us. No, not yet, but I'm going to. I will partake. Okay, good. Yeah, thanks to Rachel, by the way. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, Rachel is uh, Matthew Rocchio's significant other. We already established that. Okay, good. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks, thanks to Rachel for the donuts. We I said appreciate it, them. she wasn't just some Randall, uh, random Rachel that dropped no. off donuts. No. It was Rock's significant other. Exactly. That is a very important clarification. Yes. <laughs> All right. You ready for question number one, Randy? I am ready. Who did the Cardinals beat in the 2013 NLCS? 2013 National League championship series they did not beat the cubs in that series uh this is um something that i should know better right uh was it uh let's see 2000 did it, was it the doyers uh that was at the mad adams i will go with uh, the los angeles dodgers of uh los angeles Across their four-year Super Bowl run, the Bills won two season-long awards. Which K-Gun star took home both awards? K-Gun star. I I will go with Thermal. Thermal won the MVP, I think, in 1990. Thurman Thomas. I'm going to go with him. Who was the first African-American manager in both the NL and AL? Uh, In the National League, the first African-American manager would have been... Uh, well, Frank Robinson with Cleveland was uh, in the, um, or was it Larry Doby in the American League with the White Sox? He was Frank Robinson. He was a player manager with the Tribe. In the National League, hmm, let's think about this. Uh, uh, you know what? Th- this should be so easy. I should know this right off the top of my head, but I don't. So Frank Robinson was with the Giants in 82. So is this like... Is this the same guy or separate guys? One guy. So it's mm-hmm. Frank Robinson. Yeah. Okay. That's your final answer? Frank Robinson. Final answer, yes. Which NFL franchise owns the record for the longest regular season winning streak, winning 23 straight games across two seasons? The National Football League franchise that owns this record? Which NFL franchise? Patriots. Stupid. Like 0304. Stupid Patriots. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Matthew, what do we have? Stupid. We have a tiebreaker for the second day in a row, and so let's go through those, the answer. Excuse me, let's go through the rules really quickly. I'm going to read off the tiebreaker question. We're going to give Randy a time to write down his answer. Then John, we will get your answer audibly. Randy will then show his answer to the camera and say it all on the air so everyone knows what it was. And whoever is closest to the pin in this fight uh, the, for this question is going to be the winner of the fight. John, do you understand those answers or those rules? Man, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Answers, rules are all the same thing to me right now. Those rules. Randy Carricker, do you understand the rules? I do, sir. You got it right. Do you have a piece of paper and a pen? I have Lindenwood paper and a Sharpie. Okay. In the entire history of the St. Louis Cardinals franchise, Mm -hmm. what is the highest batting average over a full season? In the entire history of the St. Louis Cardinals franchise, what is the highest batting average over a full season? Just a minute, John. Randy Carricker is writing down his answer. I I am. Um... Was it? Uh... <laughs> Just like I like the partial chipped sentences we hear. Was it? Could it be? Was it? Um. All right. Are there any characters' answers there? John, what is your answer, sir? 
four. Uh, let's go with four oh nine. I think it was actually four eleven, but four oh nine. Randy Carricker, what is your guess, sir? I said four oh two, sir. All right, so we got to do a little math here, and we have a winner in today's fight. Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit CarShield.com today. My goodness. Congratulations, John. Be- thanks to the tiebreaker, you were able to beat Randy Carricker today. Congratulations on that one. The uh, answer in that one, Tip O'Neill hit 435 Ooh. for the Cardinals, but in the, that was in the dead ball area, but I, did, I didn't put the qualifier on nope. them the entire franchise. 435 was Tip O'Neill's the best batting average ever for a St. Louis Cardinal. By the way, Rogers Hornsby had 424 one season. You were going for the 403 of one of Rogers Hornsby's seasons, I think, in your head. But let's go through the, the questions and the answers of all the questions. The Dodgers uh, lost to the Cardinals in 2013 as they went on to the World Series. Across that four-year Super Bowl run, it was, in fact, just Thurman Thomas with the 1990 MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Jim Kelly getting neither of those awards across his career. First African-American manager in both the AL and NL was, in fact, Frank Robinson, player manager for the uh, in Cleveland and then the manager of the Giants. Larry Doby was actually the second African-American manager, also the second player to break the color barrier mm-hmm. in sports, which I thought was fascinating. Ernie Banks, by the way, the other option there. Technically, if you want to get real Really technical. He was the first African American person to manage a baseball game because there was an ejection during a game. Then he took over as the manager in the dugout. So if you want to get technical, Ernie Banks a fun secondary uh, trivia question there. And which NFL franchise owns the record for the longest regular season winning streak, winning 23 straight games across two seasons? It's actually the Colts breaking the um, Patriots records a few years later. They won the last. They won the last 14 game. Oh, excuse me. The last nine games of one season and then the first 14 games of the resulting season afterwards for the 23-game record. So a 3-3 tie for John and Randy, and then the tiebreaker question goes to John. So, John, congratulations on your win today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the fight. Thank you, John. John with us on 101 ESPN. That's the fight coming up next. How good is the SEC in football? (laughs) Too good for everybody else? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's really interesting to think about where college football is right now. And we talked earlier about the new playoff format, which apparently will be the four highest rated teams from the Power Four conferences. And then the highest rated team in the group of five. And then after that, it'll be the next seven highest rated programs. And there's a very good chance at the end of the season that if we have the top 12, that we could have five, maybe even half the teams in a playoff from the SEC yesterday. The... The folks at ESPN put out their way too early uh, top 25 and 10 SEC teams were in the top 25. First of all, Brooke, Dan, is that too many teams from one conference to have in the top 25? No, because it just means more, Randy. (laughs) It always just means more. The SEC has been dominant and will continue to be dominant, even though you have Nick Saban leaving 
guess what? You still have Kirby Smart around in Georgia and what he's building there in that program. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, there's a reason why Eli Drinkwitz's name keeps being brought up in discussions for some of those head coaching positions that were opening up because people really like what they see with him and what he's been able to build at Mizzou. So expansion for the SEC was in 2012. They are against the rest of football, about 1,100 above 500. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's an incredible stat since 2012. Alabama, since 2012, has lost a total of 15 games. Wow. 15 games. Mizzou, by the way, is eighth best in the SEC since they got into the conference. I think, though, you have to just look at the players. They just put out player after player Mm -hmm. after player. Last season, 21 conferences were represented in the draft. Seven picks from independent college football programs. The SEC led all conferences. They had 62 players that were drafted. That's uh, three short of the record, 65, which was the year before. Alabama and Georgia led the way with 10 picks, uh, picks each. I mean, it comes down to players, man. They're they're producing NFL players. And with all due respect to Oregon and to USC, I think if a conference could have picked any two teams a couple of years ago to add to their conference, it would probably have been Texas and Oklahoma. And in ESPN's poll, they've got Georgia number one, Texas number four, the other SEC teams, Ole Miss number six, Mizzou number seven, Alabama at number nine, and then you scroll down to LSU at number 12. You've got Oklahoma at number 14, Tennessee at number 16, and then you have to scroll all the way down into the 20s, and you find uh, Kentucky at number 23 and uh, Texas A&M at 25. So you've got 10 SEC teams, and those all those schools that I listed, they're legit. You, I, I think that you, if you're a rational person, you say, oh, they all deserve to be in the top preseason top 25 for next year they do they do deserve it and if you even look at the super bowl how many former sec players were big stars and playmakers you had juan jennings who played at tennessee then you had chris conley from georgia you had dre greenlaw which of course that was very unfortunate what happened to him in the super bowl but was obviously a key part of the 49ers i mean the list goes on and on with the amount of sec players that you saw not only playing and starting in in the nfl but also in the super bowl on a big stage like that i crack up when i look at these stats and the records but since 2012 alabama mentioned the 15 losses that's it they're 139 and 15 georgia 121 and 28 i mean you've got just nfl players up and down their rosters how could you argue with the fact that the SEC is going to represent more teams in the top 25 than anybody else. 100%. Oh, and by the way, Nick Bolton, Mizzou great. Obviously, everything that he's been able to do. The SEC is not going away anytime soon. Even though you have these changes that are coming to college football, the way that SEC is able to continue to evolve, that's why they are not going anywhere and continue to be at the top of those rankings. Now, there's a chance, albeit slim, that... There's a little bias here because ESPN now has the SEC. But it does shock me that there are 10 SEC programs in the top 25, but only four Big Ten programs, because I think the Big Ten is better than that. They don't have Washington in their top 25. Just the, uh, Among their just mists at ESPN.com, out of the top 25, USC, Washington, Iowa, and Wisconsin are all in that group. So they, they would have a shot, I think, after week one, when you get a better idea of just how good some of these teams are. You're not going to see a lot of upsets, you wouldn't think. But they would have a shot to get multiple, multiple teams into the top 25 as this season plays out. And the SEC beats up on each other. That's something to think about is maybe teams drop because of that. 
but I think, though, the voters look at how tough the SEC is and they say, okay, this team beat up on this one, but they're not going to drop that much just because of what we're talking about here. The SEC is the best conference, in my opinion, even though they lost this year in college football. And going ahead to a 12-team playoff, and we know everything changes during a season, but right now there's only three non-SEC teams uh, among the top 12 that they have. Penn State, Utah, and Arizona are the only three non-SEC teams in this top 12 for ESPN. When you're talking about SEC teams beating up on themselves, Dan, my first thought, of course, is recency. But when you have Alabama and Georgia, and you had Alabama beat Georgia, which kind of led to that catalyst of you know Alabama being in that position to be one of the four teams, I still think about what if, what if Georgia looked like in that yeah. situation? What, what would Georgia look like in that? I find it interesting to Mizzou in these calculations are ahead of Alabama. Yeah, 7th and ninth. Yeah, How about that? Well, I wonder when the last time that was yeah. when you had Missouri ahead of Alabama. Uh, you you probably have to go to uh, pre-Nick Saban, like 2007 maybe? That's I was like David Shula yeah. when he was the head coach. Right, yeah. That would be uh, one of the, the guys I would think about that didn't have great success there. Yeah. And right. Mizzou was kind of rolling, getting ready to roll. Yeah, but Mizzou was bad for such a long oh time. Even when Alabama was really bad, Mizzou was even worse. Yep. By the way, I misspoke. It's half of the teams. Half of the top 12 are SEC teams in ESPN. Half of the top 12 in ESPN's top 25. Still yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It is. <laughs> now, I know that we're talking about college football. I just want to get this in because I think this is a really good text from a texter from the 618. Harder question, which sport is the SEC not the best in? Baseball, best. Football, best. Basketball, deepest and at the top. Basketball, I think that you could. Meh. Big Ten's pretty darn good. Yeah. Big Ten yeah. and basketball. Yeah. Uh, according to Ken Palm right now, the Big Twelve is number one with a bullet in basketball right now, and that's going to change obviously when they lose to a couple of the good teams. But right now, this season, like eight, this season, like yes. eight, eight of the tw- eight of the eight teams out of the Big Twelve are going to be like hot, like good seeds. Like the Big Twelve is killing it. So that's what they got going for them. That's nice. Illinois yeah. won last night, which uh, Rock mentioned in his sports update. And Jawan Howard was against Michigan. They blew him out at home. Jawan Howard, I think, started his post-game presser by saying, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I wow. think. I have to go back and check that. But I think he did. I, I saw that on social media. Probably not what you want to hear if you're a Michigan fan. Not at all. Yeah. And you're anticipating him to be a player, former player, and now coach that takes you to a different level. Yeah, and it's it's got off to a good start, but it's not looking great right now. No, sir. It? No, Michigan, sir. Michigan fans are I unexpect. I did not see them turning on him as fast as they have. Mm-hmm. But Michigan fans have already turned on him completely. We like winning. Like it wasn't. Nick, I think it was Nick Stauskas came out and talked about how the program's falling apart and how they don't play like Michigan plays mm-hmm. anymore, which is crazy because Nick Stauskas is like thirty and he's talking like he's fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently the, he's he's kind of lost it there. Three one four says the SEC probably is awful at chess. Oh, oh hey, now, yeah, that's a well, shot. Uh, I think probably accurate though. <laughs> Lacrosse. We have two yeah, AAC accredited. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Vanderbilt and Mizzou. Yeah. I actually think Mizzou Chess did just win something. Really? I think so. They do have a chess team or is I it a club so. team? It might be a club team, but I don't know how many teams how many teams have yeah. how many NCAA programs have sponsored 100% chess teams. How's SEC hockey, you think? Not great. Yeah. Club teams, I guess, if yeah. they even club have teams. it. Mizzou has a club team. I know that for I know Mizzou has a club team for hockey. And Mizzou has yeah. been good at times in wrestling. They're great oh, at wrestling, yeah. yeah. The wrestling program, yes. Yeah. Are they in the SEC now? What the, what conference is the wrestling team in? I don't know. 
Wouldn't that be in the SEC? Well, no, maybe not. For a while. Yeah. yeah. I forget about that. They, they, they might have this. I don't know. That's, um, we've got to call Brian Smith. I think they're in the Big 12 again. Yeah, Big 12. Okay, there you go. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Rough night for our St. Louis Blues. And some interesting stuff happening this morning. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It's 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with Brooke, Dan, and Randy here on 101 ESPN. And of course... What no. about the other Valentine's Day sound that you have? Uh, I, I, oh God! Uh, <laughs> well, we've got multiple. We've got multiple things. Uh, so, oh, this. I know what you're asking for, Brooke. Let's get it on. There you go. Yeah. So, the, happy Valentine's. Go get those flowers today, kids. Dan is at a loss for words oh, for us yesterday. right now. I just <laughs> ignore him. <laughs> Blues fall last night to Toronto by a score of 4-1. to Toronto will be part of the next homestand for the Blues. They get things started with Edmonton on Thursday night over at Enterprise Center. And then uh, the Blues will play the Predators in a day game on Saturday. That'll be fun. And then the Maple Leafs are in town on the 19th. So, And that's a noon game, uh, President's Day tilt. Uh, that you'll hear here on 101 ESPN. Always good to celebrate President's Day with a hockey game. I know George Washington was a big <laughs> hockey guy. You know, we were talking yesterday about the face of the NHL, and Brooke brought up Connor McDavid. I am curious if fans would buy a ticket here in St. Louis specifically to go watch Connor McDavid. I would, but I just, I don't know what his face looks like. Really? Well, I, like, if he's just a random... I, I know, like, if I see his picture or something as a hockey player. But if if I see him in a grocery store, I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, is that Connor McDavid? <laughs> I, I think that that is fair, especially... I don't know if he was wearing a hat or something. I mm-hmm. guess if unless you're watching a lot of him in general, you probably wouldn't recognize him off the bat. Now, so a player that 100% I would buy a ticket to go see is Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin is another one. And some another player that I thought was very exciting to see in person, even though it was against the Blues, is Nathan McKinnon. His speed and his yeah. ability and skill, that's something that I would go see that in person again. Yeah, I, I would like to just watch him get cross-checked in the face. You're going to recognize <laughs> McDavid on the ice. Yeah, he's, he's Next a, time amazing. Next play Edmonton. I mean, he is such a good player. He is. He's so exciting. And uh, I just wonder if a Blues fan would say, you know what, or a hockey fan in general here in town would say, I'm going to buy a ticket specifically to go watch Connor McDavid. Because I know in baseball, I think some fans would say, and will buy a ticket and have just to see Otani come through mm-hmm. St. Louis or Bryce Harper come through St. Louis. If there was an exhibition game, you'd want to go see Jason Tatum in the NBA or Steph Curry or LeBron. And this is the equivalent of that in the NHL. I agree. And Connor McDavid, by the way, he reached 600 career assists last night. He is, he's just different. You know, he's, he's big. He's, he's a lot bigger than Gretzky. He's almost 200 pounds. He's 6'1", 195, and has extraordinary skill. He's arguably the fastest skater in the league. If It's it's either him or McKinnon. And then he has unbelievable hands. He's the perfect player. It's amazing that he's never been able to lead them to a Stanley Cup. Who on the Blues squad is the most recognizable guy? 
right now? Right Bennington? now. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Bennington won a cup playing well. Mm-hmm. He'd be my guy. Although, yeah. if he walked into a schnooks, I'm not sure many fans would recognize him. Mm-hmm. I think the hardcore fan would. Would a casual fan know Jordan Bennington? Eh, maybe not. But he would be the one guy on this team, wouldn't he? Colton Pareko, because yeah. of his size. size yeah. There is definitely, in hockey, I think that you do have a lot of guys where they, not saying they look regular, but mm-hmm. what is the best way to phrase this? That they look like yeah, they... They look like us. You wouldn't say that they, mm-hmm. that you would look at him and say, that's a pro athlete. Colton Pareko, that size mm-hmm. that he is, you'd say, that guy plays something. And he does something. Brooke, was Ryan O'Reilly absolutely that guy, though, because of the beard? Oh, yeah. Seems, you know, people, Ryan O'Reilly was uh, running without a shirt on down a street, and everybody <laughs> knew it was Ryan O'Reilly, you know, yeah. it was... It, he he was exceptionally recognizable just because of his features. And if somebody would smile is. at you, if you're a hockey player, yeah. there you they're go. missing teeth, they say, you may not be a guy I know, but you must play hockey. Yeah. Because he's missing all his teeth. Yeah. You know? Big Walt. Big Walt. I. You know what? We did not recognize the other day. Petro played in game number 1,000 the other night. Pretty good. Yes. A couple of Stanley Cups Hall of Famer. Petro Hall of Famer. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think he is too. Yep. So, good for him. Uh, other stuff going on here in the world of sports. Uh, this was a, a story by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN this morning. The Warriors, last week at the trade deadline, went hard after LeBron James. Their owner, Joe Lacob, called up Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, and said, hey, we'd like to trade for LeBron. Would you trade him? And she said, well, we want to keep him, but we also want our players to be happy. So if you want to call his agent and ask if he wants to come and play for you guys, feel free to do so. So Lacob called up uh, Rich Paul, LeBron's agent, and he said, no, we don't want to go anywhere. But the Warriors wanted to pair LeBron with Steph Curry. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been must-see TV. And if you make a trade for a player, I, I don't think you ask him to do much in terms of load management. You're, you're here for a reason to take us over the top. We need you in the lineup every single night. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when a baseball team goes out and gets a pitcher that's headed for free agency. No, we're not going to baby you. You're here to pitch. Yeah. You know, you're here to play if you're LeBron. I would have been interested to watch that. I think it would have been incredible. I wonder who they or what they would have had to give up, what they were planning on giving up for LeBron James. What do you think? Top pick, maybe another player. Yeah, and you you would have had to give up Kaminga probably. That would have been you would have had to give up a couple players and then a ton of picks. Yep. I think that an important part of the story in this specific sentence here, the Warriors were eager to present a package deal to LA, but neither the Lakers nor James were willing to explore a potential blockbuster. I don't think the uh, Lakers, though, in retrospect of the whole thing, because of the star power that you have to have in L.A., there's no way they give him up. No, and they must know that he's not going to exercise that opt-out either. That yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's going to opt in to be with them next season. 51 million reasons why yeah. to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, and uh, Cardinals pitchers and catchers with their first workout today down in Jupiter, Florida. Let's hope that everybody is healthy and everybody works their way up to a point where on opening day in L.A., they are the best team in the National League rather than the Dodgers. Here we go again Ooh. with Randy. Wouldn't you love to have the, the best team in the National League? Well, who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. You're just being a little sarcastic about the whole thing, Randall. <laughs> I don't think that's sarcastic. I think that uh, I'm just hoping. Oh, okay. Hope's a good thing. That's what I buy a ticket for. Andy Dufresne was told hope hope is a good thing. I hope.
It's my favorite movie of all time. It's the greatest last line of a movie of all time. What was the last line? I hope. What oh, was it? It was. I Red. love that. Shawshank Redemption is what we're talking uh, about. Yeah. 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 One of the greatest movies. Speaking of hope, are you guys surprised still that Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell haven't landed anywhere? How much longer are we going to go through this? I'm saying that uh, those guys, it will be... It will be after March 1st that they sign. Today is the 14th. Uh, I think it'll be before that. Am I surprised? No, because they're represented by Scott Boris. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Do you he's think the players sh- enjoy yeah. this? Oh, sorry no, to cut you off. Do you no, think the players enjoy this? Because if he is advocating for them, do they want this? This no. waiting for this long? I'm sure they want to get with their team immediately and start working with them. I think it's anxiety for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to find a place to play. They want to start training. They're training on their own, but it's still not the same when you're with your team and your teammates. So I think there's a little anxiety mm-hmm. with that. And remember when the Cardinals signed Greg Holland at the end of spring training, and he was a Boris guy, and he just he would never had the opportunity to get ready. The Cardinals didn't baby him and send him to Memphis. He pitched like in 25-degree weather on opening night. In New York. Yeah. Mike Matheny wanted him. The Cardinals went out and got him, and he was not the player or pitcher they thought he was going to be. No. And I would fear that these guys, unless they get in right now, that they won't be ready because it's one thing to be working out on your own and another thing altogether to be preparing during games and having to throw with umpires behind the plate and real hitters at the plate. I would imagine, too, that these players say, I'm ready. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. And teams are like, yeah, we invested you know, $150 million in you. So, yeah, you're game one starter, you're game two. And unless the other side of this is that they baby them and say, we have invested so much money in you that we're going to make you skip the opening starts or two to make sure that you're ready for the regular season. Just based off of the interactions that I have had with Jordan Montgomery and even how he's carried himself in interviews, it seems like he's a guy that wants to compete and wants to be on a team. That he Remember he said last year, he says, I don't want to be a loser. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that wants to be working with the team right now. And I'm sure he thought it was going to happen with the Rangers, but... For whatever reason, it seems like the Rangers are still holding out to figure out what's going on with this TV revenue. And I think they're locked in now. They've got their TV money. They know how much they're going to have. So they should be able to make an offer if they so desire. Apparently, the Yankees made a six-year, $150 million offer to Snell. He turned it down, and Boris said he wanted nine years. And I haven't seen an offer to Montgomery attached to the Yankees. I haven't either. You want Blake Snell at that money, averaging five walks per nine? No. And five innings. It five innings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't. And now, no one's going deep into games. I get that. Analytics say two times through, get them out. But, man, that's a lot of walks for nine innings. If you could choose between the two, and it doesn't have to be the Cardinals, but just saying that you're a team and you're going to get a pitcher and you need a starting pitcher, if you had to choose between the two, who are you picking with Snell and Montgomery? I'll take the guy that's won the two Cy Youngs. I, yeah, even, even I was going Snell. Innings. Yep, I'm going Snell. Great swing and miss stuff. Can dominate. And probably will ask to go deeper into games, yeah. too, if it allows. Yeah. be he'd, he'd be a pretty good guy to have on your Ooh, team. Ooh, would he ever. Yes. Yeah. Cyan awards are hard Those to come nice. by. And win, win a couple? That's pretty impressive. Yep. Uh, there you have your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Adam Schefter reports that the Bears might keep Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. Would that be the smartest move? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. They they have talked about the idea 
as unlikely as it seems, of carrying Two. both quarterbacks, yeah. taking the guy at one yeah. and keeping fields. Now, will they get to that? It's hard to imagine that, but that is a conversation yeah. that's come up within the organization. Well, yeah. That's Adam Schefter of ESPN talking about the Bears with having the first pick in the draft. And Caleb Williams of USC, who's renowned as a potential difference maker in the NFL, uh, drafting him and keeping Justin Fields, who has had his moments in the NFL. He's looked like a really exciting quarterback. But in my opinion, Brooke and Dan, I don't think Justin Fields has shown me that he can be a Super Bowl quarterback. And ordinarily, a guy will show you by his third season whether or not he's capable of winning a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that Fields can't, because there are people that have come from nowhere. Brock Purdy came from nowhere, as obviously, as a rookie. Look how long Kurt Warner kicked around before he got the opportunity. Or a guy like, uh, not that he won the Super Bowl, but Jake Lome when he was with the, uh, w- with the Carolina Panthers. There are guys who rise to a different level. I just don't know if Justin Fields is that guy. And I also would be concerned about getting Williams and, and then playing Williams because he's so good, better than Fields, and then Justin Fields' value diminishing in front of me. My my whole thing, though, is that do you honestly think that it would be hard for any quarterback to really grow and thrive and develop in that environment? I think in Chicago, yeah. I, I, with the coaching with that the we've coaching, talked about. Right, yeah, and they have a new offensive coordinator now. They've got Shane Waldron, who mm-hmm. was, he's a McVeigh disciple who was with Seattle for the last three years under Pete Carroll. I think that uh, it, it would be tough. Chicago's never had a quarterback that's performed at a high level, at, a, at an extraordinary level. They still don't have a 40-touchdown guy. We we had Kurt Warner here. We fell into one here in St. Louis, and they still have not had that guy in Chicago. So you have to be concerned about their history, but you also have to look at the future. And, and if I were the Bears, I would be inclined to get what I could for Justin Fields and then move on to Williams. And then if you need a caretaker for Caleb Williams, so be it. Go find that guy in free agency. Isn't that interesting to say that? Because first of all, the money side of this is that you get Caleb Williams on a rookie deal. So Mm -hmm. you kind of reset the position if you wanted to. Um, The other part of it, though, Randy, I I tend to look at it that do you want a player to come in and at least not put Caleb Williams on the spot in year one or halfway through the year? Let him get ingratiated to the National Football Mm -hmm. League. And instead of having the competition between he and Fields, see, I like Justin Fields. I know others don't. I like him. I thought he was playing very well down the stretch. To where you say, okay, now we got a little bit of a QB competition going on here, and fans are going nuts, media is going nuts. Do I really want that with that kind of you know intensity around the situation? My preference, if I were the Bears, if if they've determined that that Justin Fields can be the guy, you draft a receiver or an offensive lineman, or you, or you trade down and you stay in the top five to get your receiver because I think the top three will wind up being quarterbacks. So maybe you go down to number three. Uh, so that somebody can get a quarterback with that pick and accumulate a couple of extra picks, but get an offensive lineman and a receiver this year. I think that it's a very hard position to be in if you're the GM here, because if you pass on Caleb Williams and he turns out to be what everyone expects him to be, a a once-in-a-generation type of talent, 
then you are going to lose your job because if mm-hmm. you pass in Caleb Williams, I don't know how you can look past that. But if you trade Justin Fields, and I'm not saying, before I say this, I'm not saying that he is Lamar Jackson, but what if he becomes the next Lamar Jackson because you have that kind of dual threat mobility that you're able to see with Justin Fields, then that's also another situation that you could look back on. I mean, it's a situation that could go a million different ways. Yeah, Fields has... A ton of physical talent. I just don't. He just doesn't appear to me to consistently have that it factor. And maybe it was part of the coaching problem. He talked last year about how he felt he was suppressed by the coaching there. And maybe getting rid of Luke Getzey and bringing in a guy like Waldron will allow him to blossom even more. Go get Marvin Harrison. Yeah, get get Harrison. See what he can do then. Yeah, get get the offensive lineman from Washington and or Alt from Notre Dame. Uh, Get a Notre Dame guy with the Bears. You can never go wrong doing that. That is not a bad move. But they just have to convince themselves that Justin Fields is their guy. And by the way, they gave up a lot to trade up to get Justin Fields, Exactly. And Dan, I think you had a great point about this earlier, about that right now, say that you do keep both of these guys, say that you draft Caleb Williams and you keep Justin Fields, it might be fine for now, but then you're going to find yourself in a pickle later on. And what will that situation look like? I'd just be really fascinated to see what Fields could do with more talent around him. And I'd start with Mm -hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think is going to be an absolute stud. I I saw, and I can't remember who it was, and I should remember, but they came out and said in talking with some of the GMs that Marvin Harrison will be a Hall of Famer is what they're saying. They said Marvin Mm -hmm. Harrison will be one of the top players that's ever drafted at the position and turns into a Hall of Famer. Now, he's never played an NFL game, but it gives you an idea of the talent that people associate with this guy. And if you put him with Fields, maybe that's the difference maker he needs. And DJ Moore on the other side? Yeah, you, you, that might be the best tandem in the whole league. Exactly. So then, what is then? All of a sudden, Justin Fields becomes a different player. Yeah, and get the running game going. Have a good offensive line, which has been pro- problematic for the Bears for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, take your chances. If you're uh, to Brooks' point, though, what if you pass on Caleb Williams and he becomes what everybody think he thinks that he's going to mm-hmm. become, which is an absolute stud, and you passed on him? Ouch. And you went with Justin Fields, and he's a flop and continues mm-hmm. to—I thought he was better down the stretch, but it hasn't been great, obviously. And you stick with him and make the wrong decision, you're out of a job. Right. So that that's a tough decision for them. That's why I think I would go with—and I, th- I decided this late in the season. I think I would be inclined, if I were them, to see what I can get for Fields and, and take Caleb Williams. Because here's a, a guy that's played a lot of football— he has lifted a team. Even though the defense at USC was bad, they still wound up scoring a bunch of points. He's a really good player, and he might not wind up being as good as Drake May or Jaden Daniels, who also might go in the top three, but he's worth, for me, taking the number one pick and taking the chance on. Don't you think a lot of teams, too, want and expect the result of what you got with C.J. Stroud this year, where he is ready to perform yeah. right off the bat? Yeah. But not every player can do that. No, and... C.J. Stroud walked into a perfect storm, right? He did. With the talent level that was around him and the coaching that they had in Houston, it couldn't have been a better situation, and he was really, really good. And so that might be the thing, but who did uh, C.J. Stroud follow? He followed Justin Fields. So maybe the thing to do is, if you're Chicago, try to figure out, okay, what's... They like Fields a lot, too. Similar skill sets, actually, Fields and Stroud. So maybe the thing is to unlock what what value uh, Justin Fields has. Maybe they have with the addition of a guy like Waldron. I, I think, too, I would love 
I'd be inclined to bring in, if I traded Justin Fields, a guy with really good experience that's out there, just to give him a chance to ease into the job. And there's not so much pressure being the number one. I mean, look what happened mm-hmm. in Carolina. You know, so much pressure to be the number one guy and to start on opening night. I, I That's tough to ask for a young man. Bottom line, if you were in charge, if you're Ryan Pace, the uh, or is it Ryan Poles, right? Ryan Poles, right? Yeah. The general manager of the Bears. Would you? Is there any chance that on opening day you would have both Fields and Williams on your roster? No. Me either. No. no. Not because because of the pressure that'll go along on him, media, fans. If Fields has a bad game, you better put in Caleb. I mean, yes. you're going to hear it mm-hmm. nonstop throughout the season, and I think you just eliminate that headache. And if Fields or if Williams shows himself to be the best guy, Fields. Trade value is going to go down, down, down. And you're going to wind up like the Chargers were when they lost Drew Brees as a free agent yep. for nothing yep. mm-hmm. because they drafted Phillip Rivers. you you got to maximize your assets, and that's what Chicago needs to be thinking about right now. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And coming up, a record number of American adults bet an unbelievable amount of money on the Super Bowl. And... What if the 49ers had scored a touchdown on their first possession? We'll hear about that situation next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The American Gaming Association saying that 67.8 million Americans bet a combined $23.1 billion on Super Bowl 58. Obviously good for the gaming industry. Cool. I would say so. $23.1 billion. But as we always say, there's a reason that all of those buildings in Vegas are so big. Well, people they, are making a lot of money for them, and Vegas yep. don't lose all that often. They do not. Yeah. So I, I, I would, I'm congratulations to you if you won a bunch of money betting on the Super Bowl, but uh, just as many lost. That's the way it works. I, I think that it just shows you how much that industry is growing. And I know that there's also the other side of it of where it can be controversial in a lot of ways. 60 Minutes recently did a piece on gambling and the rise of it and the negative side effects. But at the same time, I think there is positives of what it can boost not only to your local economy, but state economy as well. There's so many people I know, some friends, mm-hmm. if you want to say, some friends you might know, mm-hmm. who go across the river to Illinois or might go elsewhere to to spend their money and bet. Wouldn't you like to keep that here in Missouri? I just always yes. think about that when it comes to when you hear these numbers. I want to keep I know, of course, not in that scale here in Missouri, but still, wouldn't you want to keep that here in so Missouri? 38 states have legalized gambling. Missouri, not one of them. These other states since 2018 have reaped a total of over four billion of taxes from more than $280 billion wagered on sports since 2018. I don't know what generally people think. I My guess is they want sports gambling legalized in Missouri because of what I just said, the tax revenue, and Brooke, you just alluded to it. I, I guess they do, but I know a lot of people, as Brooke mentioned, that will place a wager on their phone, and then they get a block up saying, in the state of Missouri, you cannot do this. And then the minute that they hit... The uh, the bridge going across, <laughs> yeah. whatever you're 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 placing your bet, and it works. And that, I have a lot of people that I know that do that. Randy, I don't know if you're included in that. I'm not somebody who gambles, but I do understand the value to the state. And if I'm not mistaken, 
of all of the states that border Missouri, there's eight of them, I believe Oklahoma is the only one that doesn't have legalized sports gambling. So you've got so many people that are crossing a border to give other states our revenue, people that are making money in Missouri that would be gambling that money in Missouri, and we're just giving it away by not having legalized sports gambling. Now, I understand the negatives associated with legalized sports gambling, but from a purely economic standpoint, it is beneficial for other states, for every state, to have legalized sports gambling, and it is not beneficial for the state of Missouri to not have it because Money from Missouri is going to other states across borders. 100%. And that's what, when you're talking about the numbers that you just discussed there, it's not going away. It's not going away. And so I would rather see that stay in state than people going out of the state. We wonder if the TV ratings for the NFL playoffs are elevated because so many people are gambling. Now, I can also throw out a stat that in the final month of the regular season 70% of the games came down to the final possession so the product is very good but mm-hmm. has sports gambling elevated what you have in terms of uh, interest in the game well the tv numbers would seem to bear that out and the fact that you have competitive games an overtime game as a matter of fact and brooke it was really interesting when you look at what happened on sunday here we are on the wednesday after the super bowl and we're still talking about the the overtime rules yeah, we are. We're still talking about the overtime rules because I think that there's some people who are still confused, even some 49ers players. So this is very interesting sound that we have here. It starts with Chris Jones with the Chiefs, where he explains that they knew the rules. And then you go to Kyle Juszczyk, where he said that they didn't know the rules. For two weeks, we talked about the new overtime rule and how we was going to get a ball to the opponent. If, we, um, if they scored, we was going for two at the end of the game. We kind of rehearsed it, and um, yeah. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. So I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. So there's a lot of irony in this. One, we know that this overtime rule is because of Patrick Mahomes. You go back to Patrick Mahomes, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, that whole Bills situation. This was meant to stop him, essentially, or not make it as easy for a guy like him. And then the other irony in this is, okay, so say that the 49ers would have scored a touchdown. Would they have just like celebrated after that first possession? Said they scored on that first possession. Would they have just celebrated on the field afterwards? That would have looked absolutely crazy. I think so. Players just have to make plays, though. As we look at the reasons why San Francisco lost the game, I I don't know. I think we look too far into this. They should know the rule, but bottom line is, does that mean if you knew the rule, you're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Go make plays. you got to have players making plays. Well, go make plays. Stop them. Yeah. But it seems like, and Shanahan, I think his logic is sound in having the third possession of overtime. But I also agree with the majority of the people. Now, like I said, I think his logic is sound, but I agree with the majority of people where you give the other team the ball first so that you know what you have to do second. But what, what difference does it make if your players don't even know? No, it doesn't. And that's the thing that I think is kind of interesting, at least to come out of this, is that it seems like some players were at least frustrated. And I understand he at the moment, post-game comments, you're going to have a lot of frustrations that come out, maybe things that you look back on and you think about it a little bit more later. But I think it's interesting that you do have some 49ers players that kind of are insinuating that they were surprised by this and that it could cause a little bit of an issue there. But 
also from a strategic standpoint, if the Chiefs were practicing it, you should practice every single situation and be prepared for every single situation. Randy is not going to like this, but I go back to Bill Belichick and practicing a play uh, that he saw with the Seattle Seahawks in the uh, Super Bowl with the interception. They don't give it to Marshawn Lynch. And after the game, the uh, players of the Patriots said, yeah, we were prepared for it because they did it a couple times in the regular season. We prepared for every aspect of that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is something that he would have learned from Bill Parcells. Yeah. So and Jimmy Johnson was that way. Jimmy Johnson knew the weather of the game. Right. You know, Jimmy Johnson knew what the what the clouds were going to be doing at two thirty in the afternoon for a noon game. The the people with great attention to detail, Dick Vermeil, one of these guys, they knew and and they coached. Here's what what Kyle Shanahan said. He said we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss to review everyone to make sure that they knew before we go out. So we asked position coaches to do that. But I didn't. This is Shanahan. I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Well, the Chiefs players were saying that they were going over these things in training camp. Yes, yes, because practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. and it is as simple as that. I believe. I think that's the biggest difference. Is those attention to details. When you're talking about that, the attention to details is always what's going to come down to because it's the little mistakes that will cost you in games. So one of the mistakes that they made, Chris Jones wasn't blocked. Brandon Ayuk was wide yep. open. If you block him, you hit Ayuk. What are we talking about today? San Francisco went out and scored first, and people say, well, that strategy worked because you put the pressure on Kansas City to score a touchdown, not just a field goal. Yeah, just hit an extra point in regulation. <laughs> that's the other part. <laughs> you know, it, that seems like a pretty routine play. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but I think we can all agree that the better team won. I agree. 100%. Ultimately, at the end of the day, San Francisco was really good and they were favored, but I think the better team won. I think the better QB won. He, yeah, he did. I'm not sure they're better. I mean, they won, but number 15 makes things happen like nobody else can. But that defense. Yes, you're right. There's a lot of talent mm-hmm. on that San Francisco offense that was held down pretty substantially by the, the defense of Kansas City. He, Spags is awesome. He's he, great. He really is great. And uh, if if the uh, 49ers would have won, one of my guys that I would have looked at as an MVP would have been Nick Bosa. Yeah, oh, he was fantastic. He was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah, I feel bad for Juwan Taylor. Because I, I kind of called that. It kind of looked like a, an ugly matchup. And it wound up being an ugly yes, match. Yes, it was. Yeah, tw- uh, 12 hurries for Nick Bosa. The, the Chiefs, or the, the Niners, had 22 hurries of Mahomes, and he had 12 of them. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's a beast. Pretty good. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we've got tickets for Luke Bryan. Uh, did I do that well? Yeah, you did great. Thanks. Tickets for Luke, Luke Bryan. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and, uh, we'll let uh, Matthew rant a little bit. Rant- Matthew's afternoon was spoiled yesterday, and we'll let Matthew uh, rant about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Uh, we're going to give away tickets. I, but here, I, I think I put the... Uh, uh, who do we have coming in? Who's Luke Bryan? Luke, Luke Bryan. <laughs> uh, I, I, th- I think I put the uh, sheet for the Luke Bryan tickets in the recycling over there. Oh, God. 
Yeah. Do you want me to grab it for you? Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, as they say, we'll, we'll vamp here Luke a little Bryan. bit. Luke Bryan coming to town, I think July 27th over the, at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Your opportunity to win tickets. Thank you, oh, Matthew. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So, uh, so now we know via radio. Uh, yeah, Josh your chance to score is coming a pair out. of lawn tickets July 28th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets for Luke Bryan are Luke on sale Bryan. now. You can, yeah, you can text him, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO, <laughs> for your chance to win tickets to the show. And you can also find a bonus chance to win uh, at uh, 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Matthew, what's our contest today to win Luke Bryan tickets? It is just a trivia contest today because this is perfect. I couldn't make a fight question out of this, so I, I wanted to use this for the ticket okay. giveaway. Today is, all at the same time, Jim Kelly's, Drew Bledsoe, and Steve McNair's birthday. Obviously, RIP to Steve McNair. My question for you guys is, out of those three quarterbacks, who had more QB wins in the league? Jim and it's Kelly. really close. It's all within Ooh. 10 wins. Jim somebody's Kelly, at, Steve McNair, or Drew Bledsoe. Somebody's at 91, somebody's at 101, and somebody's at 98. Jim Kelly. Who is at 101? Oh, who has the most answer. wins out of those three players? Here. What's that? We're trying to give away tickets here. Oh. He's just giving it. He's just giving it. That's just his <laughs> guess. He, it might not be right. Guess. Oh, okay. It doesn't, okay, it's not official. No. Bulletin apparently. Could be wrong. Official. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't think you are. Now we're going to get a bunch of Jim Kelly texts coming in, probably. Yeah, I wasn't well, supposed to say that, huh? Or, <laughs> no, I think no, I just got your guess. Or Dan is trying to purposely throw you off. Oh, you never know. that could be. That could be. Mm. Okay, so uh, texture number uh, <laughs> 9, 12, or 11. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when I do it for three different players, you got to go that way? Yeah. All right, that's fair. So let's, uh, But let's do uh, number 12. Okay. Okay, so yesterday... Uh, Los Angeles Rams Vice President Kevin Demoff tweeted that uh, Steve Spagnuolo deserves another coaching job. Uh, I, I don't have the tweet in front of me. Matthew, you. do you, yes. you got it? So, so uh, Tyreek Hill, after the mm-hmm. Super Bowl win, tweeted out... I want a direct quote here, by the way. Yes. Why don't Spags got no interviews? Mm-hmm. And Kevin Demoff uh, just decided to step put his toes into the water yesterday and said, It is well past time to see Spags get another head coaching opportunity. The team and organization he inherited in STL was a mess. Nobody could have had success, yet he changed the culture slash staff and players believed. An amazing human being deserving of a real shot we couldn't give him Hmm. and i I know it shouldn't i know that nothing i see on twitter should actually make me like personally angry unless somebody like tweets out like hey we just harmed a member of your family but nonetheless that tweet ruined my afternoon yesterday and sent me on just a furious path the rest of the day i was in a bad mood for the next like five six hours because (laughs) there's so many different threads of this that 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 make me angry but like the first one is that he's is again he, he was bad at his job they, they were they were terrible at hiring coaches and, and signing players maybe on purpose mm-hmm. and for him to then just put this out there and try to correct the record like whoa, whoa it's not it's not our fault there was there was all these extenuating circumstances as to why Spags was terrible with the Rams and why the Rams were terrible after Spags as well and there was a lot of different things you know he, he, he talked about how the lockout was there and how Spags came off a good seven and nine season but we couldn't support him and Bradford uh, didn't have the time to work with his team and McDaniel's a great offensive coach coordinator by the way that's what he called him a great offensive coordinator couldn't work with his quarterback uh my big thing was that if you go look they went seven and nine in 2010 then you look at 2011 offseason and the offseason is just one of the most pitiful 
throwaways of money I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. They were seven and nine, and this was their off season. They signed Cadillac Williams, coming off uh, coming off two years away from a knee injury. Jarius Norwood, Mike Sims Walker, Harvey Dahl, Justin Bannon, Daniel Murr, Ben Lieber, Zach Dials, Brady Papinga, Larry Grant, Al Harris, who was like 38 at that point, and Quinton Michael. It was that's what. He, He's now claiming 10 years ago was his way of supporting Spags as soon as he got here. The man's a liar. Like, he was called a pathological liar on television. For some reason, that station felt the need to retract a very accurate statement. Professional liar. Yeah, professional liar. And and that's what the man is. And he decided that he's going to go on Twitter, lie again. And it's just, listen, I, I, I don't like Stan Kroenke, and, 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 but I can see the reasons he did a lot of the things he did. But, man, this Smithers routine that Demoff's been doing now for over 15 years where he's just sitting behind the guy with a begging bowl licking his boots is one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. Your dad was a trailblazer as an agent in this league, and you're just going to be the personal assistant bag boy to this, one of the sleaziest owners ever? Well, okay, seems like a little bit of a drop down after, after everything dad did. Daddy's the reason that he has the job, you're first of right. all. Uh, second of all, here you have a, a, an owner with $13 billion, and you talk about Josh McDaniels in 2011. They hired Josh McDaniels as their offensive coordinator, but it's not in the budget to hire a quarterback coach for a quarterback that you're giving $50 million guaranteed to. You can't afford a quarterback coach for a second year $50 million quarterback. And oh, by the way, his first two years, you gave him Dick Curl as your as his quarterback's coach. It was, if anybody should sue for malpractice, it's Sam Bradford. You... Draft Jason Smith, and on the first day of minicamp, you decide he can't play left tackle. You mentioned Harvey Dahl. Harvey Dahl, who had never played tackle in his career, winds up playing left tackle for your $50 million investment at quarterback. You never get him. The best receiver you can find for him is Mike Sims Walker. Uh, There was a desire once, Stan Kroenke, in August of 2010, was approved as the owner of the Rams. It was over, and they weren't going to try. There was no way that they were going to have a program that would allow Steve Spagnuolo to succeed. And whether or not Spags would have succeeded, I don't know, but I do know this. He didn't have a chance because specifically of Kevin Demoff and of Stan Kroenke. Also, the one thing he gave Spags credit for was changing the culture. Isn't that kind of the one thing you can really hold against Spags because the way he comes in and takes the pictures off the wall and you know he's firing longtime staff? Isn't that kind of the one thing you can actually say that was in his hands that he kind of well, fumbled? Yeah, and Kevin Demoff and I have differing views of the quality of the culture, but Kevin Demoff wasn't there yeah, when Spags did all of those things. But he, they had a really good staff, and a really a, a lot of the building was still really good. A lot of those people were there with Dick Vermeil that he got rid of. But yes, Spags made mistakes by banning Jim Hannafin from the building, by banning DeMarco Farr, essentially, from day-to-day being around the building. He, he did make mistakes, but he didn't get any help from the organization. And shout out to all the Rams fans who were in his replies. It's not going to do anything, but as long as we constantly say every time he tries to lie, what you're saying is untrue, these are the facts, then 20 years later he's not going to be able to sit by and, and say, well, yeah. this is what the Rams did when we left St. Louis. We can actually we can pull up the, for better or for worse, we lost those four games, which I don't know how that quote can be out there, and then you can actually stand there and say you tried to win games when you were here. Those are, those are pretty diametrically opposed there. So uh, 
again, the, the man, the well, facts are out there, and no matter how much he tries to curve them, it's not going to work. To come on our show in 2014 and say, don't trust what Randy Carricker is telling you, <laughs> after I knew and I reported that the Rams had made a decision to leave, and then go to Harvard-Westlake and say, yeah, we made the decision to leave in 2013. Hmm. Uh, that kind of makes me dislike you a little bit. Should we add to the Stan Kroenke chance? Should we add Kevin Demoff to him as well? Yeah, we can. Yes. Yeah, he's a bad guy. He's and, and I'm glad will, that this yeah, sort I've of stuff. That. Yeah, uh, you know, because eventually his kids will Google him and find out what he's all about, hmm. and hopefully the the kids don't wind up like him because he's a scoundrel. He's just he, he is uh, he is the dregs of humanity. Follow Grandpa. Yeah, that's all yeah. I got to say to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it as personal with, with Marvin as I do Kevin. Oh, no, I don't I'm, either. Fair enough. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you for letting me rant, Randy. Uh, you got it. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes, and I had a donut, so that was great. Oh. That's your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Uh, Danny Mac. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh, thanks for letting me crash it. You, this is our show, Dan. Okay. This is our show. Uh, happy Valentine's, everybody. Hope you enjoy yourself, uh, and, and I hope that you all get good gifts or good, what do we call the service? Acts of service? Uh, good acts of service, yes. Hope it's very satisfying <laughs> for you. Why are you making a face? Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, Josh, no, Randy. Josh Innes is up next. Oh, he will. We'll just continue this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, perfect segue. What a yeah. lead, leadway into that <laughs> After one. After Josh, we've got BK and Ferrario. That includes Ferrario. It's pretty cool to have uh, Alex back. And then the fast lane that includes Jamie Rivers today, along with Carrie and Anthony. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a happy hump day, everyone. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.